the curse of the devil. Exorcism, a sacrifice, blessing, or bestiality. The curse of the devil. Satan in control of the body and the mind. My love will destroy the creation. I swear that you'll find everyone and welcome back to the Nashy cast uh our reoccurring theme in 2022 seems to be uh special guest bob Sargent. he is with us again today i am rod barnett i'm troy gwynn and you are oh me <laughs> yeah this is when you say your name hey i'm here this is bob Sargent. okay hey, didn't you see him point at you through the I, I, hey i'm i'm new to the podcast game well you know rod expects everybody to see him when he points at them through the computer there you know well, it's, it's, well, you guys, it's you guys have your camera pause. off yeah it's it's true. it's the pregnant pause man you're supposed mm-hmm. to jump in what am i what am i a musician here got a got a got a signal to people jesus christ anyway godfrey timing i do not have <laughs> well tonight we are uh, well. We're continuing down a road that we occasionally get some joy from, which is, uh, thank God, someone finally subtitled a film that was never dubbed into English for us. Uh, we are uh, we're going very very early. I mean, like super early in Paul mm-hmm. Nashie's career to talk about a movie that he did even before his first werewolf movie. That's right. Tonight, we're watching King of Kings. No, wait. Uh, <laughs> not, King, not King. Wrong movie. <laughs> wrong movie. Wrong movie. Uh, no, no, no. This is a, a, an interesting film from 1968, directed by the same fellow who directed The Mark of the Wo- Wolfman, a.k.a. Frankenstein's Bloody Terror. This is how uh, Paul Nashi, a.k.a. Jacinto Molina, actually met Enrique Lopez Oh God, help me Egg-y-lose, on this last name. Eggy lose. Yeah. I'm gonna Egg-y go. Eggy lose. Eggy lose. Eggy lose. Okay, I'm gonna go with. I had the... to check myself. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, this it's is not you guys. It's it's his name. <laughs> it's it's definitely his name. And uh, the joy of this is this is the movie that they made before they made the first of Nashi's werewolf movies. And uh, there's a, there's always been prints out there. I think you you said you had a, a video a VHS copy of this way back when. I did, and I watched it without subtitles. So I've seen this movie three times now. Well, so okay, now this this is this is my first question. Okay, we now have a subtitled version, so we actually know what the hell's going on. Yep. When you watched it without subtitles, what was your best guess as to what the hell was going on? <laughs> uh, well. I cheated a little bit because I had a I had a synopsis translated, but you know there was I still saw okay there's like a nugget of an idea in there, but I'll be damned if I could see it. <laughs> the, the subtitles did help a lot, so I I tend not to watch a lot of subtitle things anymore for that reason. Huh. Well, the 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 joy of this for me was first of all there are a few people involved in this besides the director, who uh, worked with Nashi later on. Uh, first and foremost, in my opinion, would be Elena uh, Samarina, yeah, who yep. uh, who plays Susan in this particular film, and uh, turned up in uh, well, Naked Madrid. Yep. Years later, 
And werewolf shadow. And exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. the biggie. Yeah. She, <laughs> she plays was... the strange sister character there that... Uh... So she uh, she's a recur- recurring victim of Paul Nashie and Jess Franco and Jess Franco she she yeah, she's in a couple of, of well, Franco yeah. films <laughs> yeah that's right the Silence of the Tomb and uh, Night of the Skull and uh, that for 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 those reasons alone uh, she has a place in my heart forever so uh, the the uh, reoccurring theme of people in early films. Popping up in later films, that's that's going to happen here as well. Mm-hmm. Now, um, she also was just she was also with Vincent Price in House of a Thousand Dolls. Yes, yes, or House was that. that and then what? They, right? Did I get the title right, or did I miss? I can't. I can't remember, but I will. I will say this: it, I, she's in Murder Mansion, which I love. Yeah. Uh, which has oh, yeah. just recently been released on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, everybody who has uh, recently seen that, you'll recognize her face. She's got a very stark face. She's mm-hmm. she's a German actress who. Who actually uh, managed to uh, do most of her work in Spain, which is not that weird when you look back at this period of time. But I did find it odd that uh, she, you know, her, her career tapered off. Uh, she was doing less and less through the '80s. Come the '90s, she did a little television in the early '90s, and then took a took what looks to be a break. I don't know what she, I don't know if she was doing stage work. And I've done my research. I've been trying to find some information about what she was doing later in her career, and I can't find out squat. It drives me crazy. Uh, I went down a couple of rabbit holes trying to research her husband, and that that drove me crazy. <laughs> but she's got a very striking face, and once you once you see her, uh, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's right, okay, okay. So uh, I still want to see Don Juan in Hell. <laughs> I know a title like that. Oh, what a title! <laughs> no, it's just like as soon as you see that title, it's like, oh well, gotta gotta check that one out. <laughs> but that's from 1991, from later in her career. And uh, I'm very curious, but have as yet to see that. But before we go too far, uh, the the director, uh, his career kind of is kind of weird as well, considering that he makes this film that we're going to talk about tonight. Then he makes Frankenstein's Bloody Terror or, you know, Mark of the Werewolf, Mark of the Wolfman. And then the very next year, he he made Santo Faces Death, which... uh, is a is another Santo film that I've of course seen and and cannot remember the details of specifically. That's one. That's I, an entertaining yeah. one. Better than the last one that I watched. <laughs> oh yeah, which one was that? Was Santo and Blue Demon in Atlantis with no subtitles. No, there you oh, go. Oh, I have a subtitled version of that stuck somewhere that I watched years ago. And yeah, that's not one of the better Blue Demon and Santo team ups. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen this Santo faces uh, death. I I think I've. I don't think it's one I've actually owned yet. I don't believe. I think it's on my my and wish that list. Dubbed, that one's dubbed in English. Oh wow! Yeah, actually, that, I think that's how I I think that's how I've seen it. And it, what 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 I love is that it's it's uh, Santo Face's Death came out in nineteen seventy or sixty nine, depending on where you were. And it's it's right at the crux, right at right at that crossover when you start getting the Santo wearing the turtlenecks, which, oh, is, yeah. my, which is my favorite period. <laughs> and the leisure suits. Oh God, man! It, it's it no, it's the turtleneck. It's the turtleneck that really I don't know what it is, man. But as soon as I see Santo in a turtleneck, I'm like, oh yeah, we're in for gold here, baby. We're in for gold. So, but never. It makes him look more like James Bond, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of, kind of a little bit. Uh, but after Santo faces death, uh, he he. Basically, he, he did a few documentary shorts, and then that's kind of it for our director here. I don't know what happened. I tried to find out a little bit, but I could find nothing about his career after that point. And it's it's kind of sad because he lived in 1997, so I don't know what the heck he was doing. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder what made the producers choose him for this film that we're going to talk about. Uh, I, I have a theory, but oh, <laughs> we'll get to oh, that. Oh, okay. Well, the, the movie we're talking about tonight is... Uh, hey, Bob, do you think you can pronounce the title in Spanish? Uh, I'll give it a shot. Do it. But Agonizando en el Crimen. Which, which sounds like it sounds like agonizing in crime, right? But I've seen other translations. Another one I see coming up a lot is dying in crime. Yeah, which that's what I see. Kind of sounds about right. Yeah, if you, you know, we've seen the film and it's like, yeah, that's about what the film is. I, I have a better choice for a title, but I'll wait. I'll hold off, and, and we we'll get to that as I we can't go wait on. Wait to so, hear it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I don't think this thing got a very wide release when it came out. I mean, I know it it was it wasn't dubbed into English, so it right. certainly didn't come to the states. And uh, I don't know that it ever showed up in in Britain either. The only country country that I have any information for it being released in is uh, both Spain and France. Uh, although, who the heck knows? I mean, it may you know probably went to Germany. Who knows? It took them a while to get it out there too, because. I was I did a double take on the credits and you know it says that that legal deposit you know where where they have to certify the film for Spain and it said 1966 66 66 Oh my god I didn't I, notice that I, I had to freeze frame it and blow it up and it's like that says 1966 Holy When god. when did they shoot uh Frankenstein's bloody terror Mark of the Wolf. Like was that 68 or 69? I was thinking, but well, maybe I actually, yeah, wait a minute. I had the, I had the information about that. Yeah. But I kid you not. I, I double checked and I looked at that print that you sent me and it's like, it says 66. Okay. Well, this, 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 this is the deal. Um, the Mark of uh, the Mark of the El, uh, Del Hombre Lobo uh, went into production in the early part of 1968 so okay, there you go. This, that means this was shot at the earliest in '67. If you get and if you've got a '66 uh, production date on the print, then yeah, yeah that may be when when it was shot. So yeah. that is very interesting. That would explain why we've got uh, from this director we've got three films in rapid succession. Uh, you know, the, the one was in the can and didn't get released until you know closer to when uh, the film that came out later. Um, Interesting. Uh, the the information I have is that it was sh- that this film, uh, agonizing in crime or whatever, <laughs> was shot in uh, in sixty uh, seven, but I don't know now. But here is here is the here is the 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 thing that uh, has been has been put out there by people in the know, which is that uh, Nashi was actually hired to work as an assistant on the film. Uh, and then yep. kind of got pulled into being an actor in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and before I saw this movie, because I knew that, I assumed that he would his role would be really small. And there was a part of me that wondered, eh, I wonder if he even has any dialogue. Uh, well, that turns out to not be true. I was a little surprised by that. Well, you know what you just said uh, about him being hired on as an assistant to start. I mean, the credits bear that out too. Yeah. Because it says David Molba, M O L B A, and as shooting the, his title there was shooting secretary, which I'm assuming was kind of just someone who like was wrangling things and keeping production on track. Mm. Yeah, or so I had him down as script supervisor. Is that <clears throat> I was thinking that? Yeah, or yeah, right, or or sort of like a male version of a script girl. Mm-hmm. Could mm-hmm. be, could be, maybe something like that. Well, it's interesting with this film right off the bat is that you know, it, it, because of 
again, you know, it's 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 he does have a he does his role does have some does significance in there, but it's not a major role for him, and and it's never it would not be considered a major Nashy film, and yet at the same time, it's incredibly important because of what came out of it, you know, because of what it led to. It's actually yeah, it's actually that without this film, we might not even be sitting here talking about Nashy right now. Because remember, at this time. Agreed. He wanted to be an art director still at this time. That's what he wanted to be for film. That's what he right. saw for himself. He didn't see for himself as an actor or a or a scriptwriter at this point. But imagine what a different film it would have been if Nashy himself had been cast in the lead. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. as we might as well jump right into this. That was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's your cue. <laughs> exactly. Let's talk about the writer and star mm-hmm. uh yes much later in the in in uh, uh in time we would we would have much joy whenever we saw that nashi both wrote and starred in a film because that meant that we were going to get some good monster action or at least maybe even just a thriller with this what we end up with is a film by writer juan logar that stars juan, juan logar, logar. <laughs> and uh Nashi, in it, I have to say, in his biography, in his autobiography, he mm-hmm. he was very kind. He didn't he didn't he didn't go into detail, but you know, I have this thing here in front of me called videos. Have you heard of it, Bob? <laughs> yeah, if I reach way back in my memory, it rings a bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was this guy named Bob Sargent. He produced this magazine. Anyway, there's an article in here. Uh, I had to dig it out. I couldn't find it otherwise. It was hard to locate. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, bullshit, bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. Is that where that Paul Nashy guy made some rather frank comments about people? He did. And in this instance, uh, he talks about this movie. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read this straight out. I mean, these are the translated words of Paul Nashy directly talking about this particular movie. He says, This film marked my debut in an important role. I played a police inspector who pursues a sex maniac. Uh I, it was shot in Paris, and I really was the support of the film since I solved the most difficult shooting problems, which is why I think that he, you know, mm-hmm. I, we probably should be able to, to say that he was some kind of, you know, production, like production assistant, production yeah. assistant kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, back to what he said. He said, in this film, I had the bad luck of running into one of the most disagreeable persons I have ever met in the world of filmmaking because of his egotism, his egoism <laughs> and lack of fellowship. Oh, boy. Juan Logar, the writer and star of the film. He was a vile man. Had previously been... <laughs> like I say... Tell us what you feel, Paul. Don't beat around the bush there. <laughs> who cares? Dive straight in. He says that he was, a, he was a vile man who had previously been a child actor and who, made, uh, and who later made a few fantastic films such as... Uh, uh, Transplant... Transplant... Head transplant. God damn, I can't even. Brain transplant. It's a brain transplant film. God yeah. damn it. And uh, I've seen autopsy. It. You've seen it? Oh, I haven't I, seen it. I just recently watched it. It's called Crystal Brain. <laughs> Crystal Brain. Crystal Brain. We'll, we can throw that in there later. I have not seen the Juan Logar version of Autopsy, which interestingly, it sounds like it's a documentary. Which our which our boy Aggie Luz also did documentaries. So maybe maybe that's why he picked Enrique Aguilus, I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I, tra- Transplant of a Brain from 1970 sounds like something I would watch, and I would definitely watch Autopsy. But I, I will tell you this, his 1971 film, Two Males for Alexa? Oh, yeah. I have seen that. Oh, yeah? Thumbs up. <laughs> and, and yeah, I actually I like That's that a movie one. a good bit. <laughs> That's a nasty little piece of work. Wow, I've never heard of it. 
It's pretty. Oh, you gotta see that one. See, it's got Rosalba Neri in it. Yeah, Emma Cohen. Oh, Emma, Emma Cohen. And Emma Cohen. You sold like, me on Emma Cohen there. That's well, all I had to say. Eduardo Calvo. Oh, Eduardo I mean, Calvo. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where it's like I just looked at the at the cast listing on Two Males for Alexa and went, I gotta see this. Okay, well, we need to line that up for a Beyond Nashy episode then. I'd oh, be glad. Yeah. To. I'd be glad to. But but it's you know. Uh, regardless of what uh, Mr. Nash had to say about him, uh, he wrote and he wrote and directed Two Males for Alexa, and I can actually recommend that one. Cool, cool. But can we recommend this one? <laughs> yes, that will be the million dollar question. <laughs> That's going to be an interesting conversation. Because Paul Paul Nashy, God bless him and God rest his soul, he did not mince words. No, he did not. <laughs> and you know the the. The one thing, though, that he said in there, though, was when he was recollecting that he was an inspector chasing a sex maniac. Well, I wish there was a sex maniac in this movie. It might <laughs> yeah, have been more interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I was going to dispute that. Well, that brings up my question. I was going to ask you guys, you know, uh, I know because uh, he does wear black gloves. Could this be considered a giallo? No. Don't think so. I think it's just put it more well, into just straight thriller. Just straight. Well, okay. First of all, psychological. I thriller. noticed that, too. Yeah. I mean, that's here's the thing. And no sexual, like you said, if it was a sex maniac, right. that would have could have made it kicked there, it over into Jallo territory. Yeah. Man. Spanish thriller, <laughs> but yeah, the, the black gloves. You're right, no question that he he put those on with a purpose. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, yeah, it doesn't have any of the other hallmarks of mm-hmm. a Jallo, and it feels much more as if one of the things that 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 make me feel like we're we're definitely in the pocket of a Jallo is when. There's uh, some sleaze involved when there's yeah. even if it's if it's not a sleaze if if there's not sleaze directly on the screen mm-hmm. the underlying reasons for what's going on involve you know something sleazy or 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 something sexual in nature and all you know that's that's not what this is this is a kind of a perverted revenge story that yeah uh, the you know and the thing is as you know, the movie doesn't hide the ball. I and mean, he's not even trying to hide the ball on who the killer is. Yeah, you're right. right. There's no mystery aspect there. Yeah, there, there's no right. mystery involved in this except that the cops don't know who the killer is. And so right. it, 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 it doesn't really fit. And it doesn't even fit some of the, the kind of the template for the, the, the stuff that kind of fed into the Giallo, which would be like the German Krimi films, the Edgar Wallace adaptations and stuff like that. Because it, in those, they get so convoluted and confusing that you're, you're honestly trying to figure out what the hell is actually going on Oh, and also who killed people. Whereas in this, you know, we're, we, we already know. And this is when we get into the question of, is the film strong enough to... Okay, I'll use, I'll use your terminology, Bob. Is the film strong enough to be recommended to an audience just on the strength of what it's doing and how it's doing it? I'll, I'll chime out. Well, I'll vote no. Okay. I would have to I, I gotta, vote no. All right, so there's our nose. I'm going to have to agree with you, but I will say that if you are interested in uh, Paul Nashi and if you're interested in films of this type mm-hmm. from this period, mm-hmm. it's a curiosity. Yeah, that's a yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. I, and there are there are reasons to watch it, but mm-hmm. it may be more fun to talk about mm-hmm. here, the three of us, than it was to actually watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because there's because there is a lot of interesting backstory, and like Troy was saying, you know, look at what this led to. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if if we go back to the credits, I got to circle back to the credits for just a second. Yeah. Because what Nashi said about 
Juan Logar, right? And it's like being egotistical. And it's like, I was thinking, God, what a big ego this guy has got. Because I've only seen like two, I've seen two pieces of, two examples of his work, okay? Right. In the credits, well, most people just have, you know, it's like white type on, on superimposed over the film, right? But this guy, he throws up there this title card, which was really peculiar. And it said, written by, music by, you know, uh, acted it by acted in by. I forgot Juan. he did the music. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. We gotta talk about the music too. Yeah, because that tinkly music that sounded like it would be right at home with like a a, a western from the fifties on American television. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was like this tinkly piano that just seemed out of place. But it's like, boy, think this guy's got an ego. <laughs> I mean, like, and he says. One, it's like what he thinks he's like the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like it's like nobody knows who he is. It's like okay, and and Juan, you know, it's like Juan or the character he plays is Jean, which is John, right? Mm. So it's like uh, yeah, so it's like, okay. Well, Nashi was spot on with that observation. <laughs> But yeah, that title card was kind of bizarre. <laughs> I thought, or just maybe, maybe not bizarre, but just kind of peculiar for so early in his career. But maybe you know, well, I mean, the if, fact that he it, was apparently a child actor. I mean, yes. that means that some to some degree, there's this hidden part of his career that we just don't have access to that would have made him. I mean, in other words, you don't you don't walk in the door and get to write and, you know, you know, to, to write and star in a film, you've got to have some kind of juice, some kind of pull. And, you know, one way or another, he was able to get this done. I mean, he, he was got, hoping to be the Spanish Ron Howard is what he was trying to. Become, <laughs> it's like, no, no, you're not, you're, you're, not. you're not, Opie, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you Ron Howard was more distinctive looking and maybe a better actor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I would, Let I me would throw that one out there yeah. too, but, yeah, because Logar, what, he was born in the 30s, right? Right. In the 40s, yeah, he was a child actor on stage right. in theater. I think his parents got him into it, right? Then you get into the 50s, and he was doing radio dubbing. Yeah. And in Spain, I guess it was in Spain, he was dubbing voices for Jerry Lewis and Benny Hill. <laughs> okay. And he continued doing that all the way up through the 60s, yeah. Yeah, and then in the 60s, he started Logar PC, which I guess is Logar Production Company, and he, he did some short films. Um, so, you know, he kind of had a genesis. I guess you do have to have a bit of an ego. And, you know, in all honesty, I mean, Nashy she had an ego too, you know, but oh, yeah. it's like, we love, but we love the guy. And it's mm -hmm. like, that's what drove him to do what he did. But Nashi just had a lot more success and was more entertaining than the two films that I've seen. I, I mean, of the, of the two, mm -hmm. you know, it might be worth it for you guys to look at crystal brain, which may have been a better film and maybe better acted. Cause you had like, uh, Simone Andrew was in there who you've seen in Blood Spattered Bride and uh, mm -hmm. Eduardo Fajardo who I think he was in Murder Mansion mm -hmm. which you guys yeah. mentioned yeah. 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 so you know but haven't seen it with subtitles yet I think this was the, what I saw was picked up off of Italian TV but you know it it came that one came around 1970 but if this one was like you know started production in 66 or 67 um, you know it it was pretty interesting seeing some of the 
persons that he was able to put in front of the camera and also behind the camera. But maybe maybe in that upbringing, I don't I don't know where the Aggie Lewis connection came in. But again, I go back to the documentaries. So maybe the maybe this maybe the director inspired him. But at least he had the smarts to not have in the title card written by acted in music by and directed by Juan Logar. Well, I'm just remembering that, you know, when that for for years Nashy, you know, hid behind his real name. You know, he would use yeah, he would have his name in the titles more than once, but he was using both his real name and the stage name. So if you weren't in the know, especially back in the 70s, who the hell would be, you know, you would know that he was both the writer and the star. Uh, oh yeah, but with this guy, I, I you know it's it's plastered all over everything. Now here's the interesting thing is that uh, just before they made this, uh, both the, both the director and Juan Logar, Juan Logar wrote another thriller, some kind of genre thriller called Blackmail a Murderer that came out in 1966 in Spain. So uh, the, the, oh, that's where yeah, he, yeah, that's yeah. where he and the director had a, had a relationship before this. Uh, that would explain it. Yeah, and of course you know. Who the heck knows what the quality level on that film was, one way or the other? Although it does have the, you know, the upside of of Juan of Juan Logar actually at least not being the lead. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the I, the know nothing about that one, and Lord knows trying to track down a copy of it would be uh, somewhere between impossible and ridiculously impossible. But the uh, the fact that at least that that thread shows us how the director of this film. Uh, was working with with Logar before this, and led into like I say the the joyous thing that all of us are, are aware of and happy about, which is you know Frankenstein's bloody terror. Thank goodness. Mm. But the uh, yep. the uh, upshot of this is we should we should not, not that we need to worry too much about what the the plot of this particular film is, but all all it really boils down to is there. Uh, the, the, the main character is this sad sack guy who's uh, we, we see through it, it first seems to be like a series of flashbacks we see him uh, at, at the beginning of the film we, we witness his wife slash fiance the film makes it clear as the film as it goes on exactly you know exactly what the circumstances of her death were. To a degree, right. although I've got a question about that too. Yeah, I have a question about a couple. Of things, yeah, so. that was kind of annoying. Yeah, because I, yeah, I kept. Yeah, okay, okay, let's let me let, 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 let me get this out there. Are the are people who for have it. no need to see this film are going to think we're insane? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they already we're going to they already gonna rip it apart. Yeah. <laughs> it goes like this. So his his girlfriend slash fiance slash wife dies on the operating table at the beginning of the film. Uh, this devastates him. We then learn that there has been a murder in in the city. Uh, this is some this is some period of time later, uh, where the the body was when the body was found. It was uh, it had both of its hands chopped off. Now that's just background noise until we see the second murder. This I mean the second murder, which we actually see our main character carrying out, and he knows the person he's killing. And he t- he cuts the, their hands off and takes them away. So we realize, oh, okay, okay. So we were ne- this is actually the second murder. We didn't see the first one. We were only told about it, and that's fine. Yep. Now, here's bone number one, <clears throat> possibly one point five. <laughs> it goes like this: Why won't they tell us what the hell killed this woman? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, that is very strange. All we see is one scene of her, well, it's when they're getting married, I yeah. think, that she yeah. suddenly what, grasps, like, she's grasps grasping her, heart, her stomach. Stomach or, or chest heart or something, or something chest or something like that. Heels over It's such a dies. quickly... I see, a, a lot of the problem I have with this film, I think, is it's 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 coherency. Uh, it's yeah. ed- editing. The editing at times... It's, sometimes the editing is not so bad. Sometimes the editing and the cinematography yeah. is not... The continuity is, is a little there difficult. There were continuity to, errors. Yeah, yeah, where it's hard to tell, okay, who just went where and, and, right. and who is this, you know? So I think that, yeah... Uh, uh, you know the the way that it shows their flashbacks. You know, or of course they're highly over romanticized because they're happening in his head, and that in itself nope. is kind of a little realistic. And generally, That's memories okay. tend That's to okay. be a little choppy and disjointed. But it doesn't make for easy viewing at times. And you're just like, wait, 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 what happened to her? What's you know what's going on? <laughs> well, see, that's just it. Because we're not told when we're watching it happen. When we're mm-hmm. when we're watching yeah. the operation go on and his nervousness waiting outside. Uh, and then the eventual report that the doctor, the doctor apologizing that he that he he, he could he couldn't save her. It's like, okay, so as the movie goes on, we're like, okay, so the fact that we we then see her, you know, we see we we see the fact that she died on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yes. so they so they did get married possibly, but we're ne- we're never really clear that they actually had the ceremony or not. We see them outside the church in what feels like, you know, a, a flash, a flash second of 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 of, uh, of a shot where it's just like, couldn't we have just a little bit more here so that we get a sense of whether they actually went through the ceremony or not? Nope, movie ain't got time for that. And we, so what we end up with is she dies on her wedding day. Yep. And so we aren't told what killed her. So I kept nope. thinking. That one of the kickers of this storyline, the plot, is going to be what she died of being something that's fueling his madness, mm. and that is that trigger is never pulled. Right. What the fuck? Right. Well, and you had his one friend who was trying to dig into that mystery. Yeah. And we never got our answer, and he was he was trying to talk to the doctor mm. who was the head surgeon. Right. And apparently, it turns out he it's like oh well he's not even here anymore he's he he left for Sweden eight months ago and it's like okay but they didn't get into was there a malpractice suit or you know it's like why did he leave you know but we never got our answer you're right I've watched it well three times now once without with the subtitles now twice and it's like no answer so that's kind of that that is a little maddening it's sort of something he left ambiguous and it's like why you know why couldn't he have just you know given us a good reason why uh, yeah. What was it? her name? Was Jacqueline? He kept saying Jacqueline, Jacqueline, right? Jacqueline. Because it's like, well, it was set in Paris, right. so everything's like you know French. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I have another question: Why did Jacqueline marry this guy? Okay. Because <laughs> well, is thank it, you. <laughs> is it is it just me, or did he seem in the early flashbacks needy? Oh, clingy, yes, yes. Uh, you know, uh, I, I can throw out all kinds of adjectives out there, but it's like she should have had red flags popping up all over. <laughs> the place. Well, I, th- I think is I definitely get the feeling that he's he, yeah he's punching above his 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 weight class in this in this case. I mean, he's definitely <laughs> like he's he's you know, and 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 there's a lot of weird things going on with with his character and, and the story going on here. But one thing I wanted to say was you, it brings up a good point that talking about I don't know if it's it, it, the way. Um, the way that uh, Logar portrayed the character, or if it's just there that couldn't be overcome in the script, just inherently a problem there. But he's not very engaging. He's not very. Uh, he doesn't engender much sympathy, does he? His no. character, you know, uh, with and, and in those flashbacks, 
yeah, you're absolutely right. In those flashback scenes, there's there's just you kind of feeling like even then he seems even when they're supposed to be at their happiest, he seems a little intense, doesn't he? You know, he's a, well, what's so weird is you're right. <laughs> he, yeah. he, he, he it's not just in the portrayal; it's in how the character is written, uh, mm-hmm. which is he, he. There's no way to get real sympathy for this guy, even though the script is built in such a way. To, to engender some actual sympathy for the guy because mm-hmm. the woman that he's marrying, the one who dies on their wedding day, for some reason she has a young child already. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, right. not that the child ever, ever factors into this fucking story ever <laughs> other than as, a, I don't know, a side piece of information. As a matter of fact, at times the movie feels like it forgets the kid exists at all. Well, maybe, well Or they threw him in at the end. He was the child in peril. Right. Maybe. Yeah. But maybe, maybe you guys are just quicker than me, but it literally took me the second viewing before I could figure out who the child was in the sense of like, because the first time through I'm, I'm, I'm like, is this their kid? And then I'm like, is it? No, her, no. Is that like, is it her younger? No, you're, see, you're not just, alone. Is, is it her younger it brother? Is it her younger you're, brother? But you're not, that, that's what I thought at first. I was like, is this a kid brother? But then Juan or Jean yeah. <laughs> said yeah. something about, well, when we have our own kid. Mm-hmm. See, with me, the way I picked it up on the second time through, what finally, and I'm, and I still wasn't totally sure if I've got this right, but the line that kind of stuck out to me was where. The line what came up that his parents didn't approve of her, and I was sitting there thinking, be, like, why in the world would her parents not approve well, see, of her? See, that's just it. Is she a widow, or is she divorced? That's the only thing I she... can figure is the fact she had a. Did she have a kid out of wedlock? Right. I'm trying to think how in the world would the parents disapprove of this girl? But there's even that. Then there was that scene a little later when you know the the kid is staying with 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 Juan, and the father Juan's father makes a reference to the kid. Now this is just a subtitle thing, but he calls him that little creature. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, and it makes me think like, okay, maybe this is the heart of what's going on here is that she had a kid out of wedlock, out or, of wedlock. Or, or heck, it's a Spanish, I mean, even though it's set in Paris, it's a Spanish mentality there. Maybe just the fact that she wasn't a virgin or something was not why yeah. they didn't want their son to marry her. Yeah, never you never know. discount the the, yeah. the the Catholic influence right. on any of these storylines yep. at any point in time. But once again, it all comes back down to, I think we can all agree that none of this is very clearly delineated no, very well. No, it's not. <laughs> What's going on? No. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, another thing that, <laughs> there, there are so many mysteries in this film, right? But it's interesting <laughs> yes, yes. because... Why does it exist? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's like, you know, I could say that this... I would almost say, boy, it echoes another film that we all know, but it's like it came before this. But think about the plot where, you know, you have... Uh, okay, you have a doctor or a surgeon who his wife tragically mm-hmm. dies on the operating table. Correct. And then he's going to take revenge on all the all the doctors and the surgeons. It's like, sounds like the abominable Dr. Fives. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. It, this, yeah, but not, but not nearly as clever. Oh, no, 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 but, no, not even remotely. But it, but it, it does, it does bring fact that if you're going to try and put this film in any kind of subgenre, it does kind of fall into that, you know, uh, ax to grind with the medical industry sort of, you know, subgenre of films, you know, the, 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 uh, like a Dr. Fives. Yeah. But what's weird is that our, our killer here does not do what you would expect. Well, okay, Fives goes after the, the doctors and nurses who fucked up and mm-hmm. killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Right. This guy just seems to be killing medical students who he has easy access to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I know this person. I know I can get in the door, so I'm going to sneak in, try to act a little less creepy than normal, get them off their game, and then whack them in the head and kill them. And yeah, or I wait till they go, they turn their backs and go, or go upstairs for a bottle of booze. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them, you notice that. And it's like, it's almost like a minority report thing. If I'm remembering that, that movie correctly, it's like, it's like, Oh, well, 
So I have to kill these guys before they can commit the crime of being surgeons and killing somebody like my wife on an operating table. But it's like, okay, you know, here's somebody who's gone off the deep end and, and but he's living a double life. Right. Because we're supposed to. We're, we're supposed to believe that nobody sees what's going on, but right away we see. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Susan, the psychiatrist. You notice how she asked him like on four different occasions, trying to get at the bottom of why did you stop? Why did you leave school? You know, yeah. why do you not want to be a doctor anymore? And and it was always like he brushed her off, or they're like, oh, don't bother him with that. And it's like, well, doggone it, if she had psychoanalyzed them like she wanted to, probably yeah. would have saved a couple of lives, right? Well, that, well that's why she, well, first of all, the, yeah, that's the character played by Yelena uh, Samarina. Samarina, yeah. She's really, she's really, she's really good here. And what's killing me is that you're right. In the film, she, she, is very clearly seeing this person in pain who's withdrawn and is attempting to draw him out. And she tells him up front, look, yes, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I think she's, she is already a psychiatrist or she's studying to be one, one or the other. And she tells him up front that, yeah, that, that she is. So she's not hiding the ball on, you know, on what right. she's doing. But that, that points out that, that to me, that, that makes her the most in- interesting and um, kind of, empathetic and interesting character in the entire movie because i would agree because and, and why was nobody else well and why was nobody else connecting the dots i mean she yeah. came right right out mm-hmm. and said to her boyfriend it's like uh, you know th- this guy's got an obsessive neurosis you know and they're like because even the boyfriend's like yeah he does think she does act like jacqueline's still alive and it's like and she's like well yeah and this can be really dangerous so, yeah, it was, I think it was, I guess it was the mother who finally pieced it together, the poor thing, <laughs> you know, what was actually going on. Yeah. But then before she could, you know, actually get it out verbally, she scrawled it in a book, which, you know, factored into the, you know, factored into, you know, yeah. the proceedings later. But it's sort of like, you know, it's like, my son is crazy. <laughs> uh, hey, thank you. Thank you. You just said what I think would have been the better term and title for the movie. My son is crazy. I think my son been. is crazy. Yeah, because think about this. If you, especially, especially if they were to release it, like, like, if they had tried to release it in the states and had to give it a more exploitable title, I think that my son is crazy with an exclamation point would have been a great title because <laughs> people going in to see in the film. You know, would be thinking, wow, that's a crazy title and laughing yeah. at the title. Then they get the film and they realize, oh, there's actually a payoff. They're, that's an actual direct quote from the movie because that's what she scrawls in the book. You know, is my son is crazy. <laughs> What's the Spanish word for crazy? Loco, maybe? Mi hijo es loco. I was going to say, mi hijo es estupido. Because it's like, we knew so early on, you know? I mean, it's a shame because it kind of, it doesn't make me, it doesn't make me angry, but I'm a little disappointed that there was a good nugget of an idea here that I think was squandered. And I blame a lot of it on Logar himself, because I think to portray such a complex character like this, he... I, I think it was really ill-advised putting himself in the male lead. I think Nashy would have been a more interesting. Well, I, uh, I'll be honest, this, not at that time, not, not at that point in his, in his career. I think yeah, that well, in about three or four years when he had some more experience under his belt. Yes. I, I'll bet we would watch it. 
<laughs> well, why would we have avoided more if Nashi had more screen time? Of course we would. Well, if nothing else, Nashi would have been able to engender a little more sympathy just through the use of those sad eyes like he does. He would give his Daninsky eyes there, you know, and people would at least feel a little more, you'd be more inclined to feel a little sympathy for this guy just from Nashi's. Or if Logar had gotten Simone Andrew, who he got in Crystal Brain, who I think, Mm -hmm. Andrew, I think, actually won an award for that movie. Mm -hmm. He had better actors, and he had Sylvia Dionisio in that movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a great cast, but... um, I would watch that one again with subtitles, and I think it was actually a better picture than this. Although this picture did benefit from the cinematographer, because you had Raul uh, Artigo, who was the guy who did uh, Witch's Mountain, probably yeah. five years later. You know, which which where they did throw in all the the sex and the nudity and the mm-hmm. blood, which is you know, which was which is more of a fun movie. I, you guys have probably covered that on one of your podcasts. No, we sorry. haven't covered it because I keep waiting for there to be a decent I I don't want to recommend well, yeah. the movie because all copies that are available currently look like crap. Yeah, they do look like garbage. And yeah. I'm hearing and this is I don't have any real information. I'm hearing that that somebody somewhere is is on the verge of announcing that particular film. Uh coming out sometime either end of this year or beginning of next on blu-ray i'd pick that one up oh, in a heartbeat. Definitely. whoever gets a good copy of that out on the <laughs> out on the market boy will they have my cash but yeah and, i'll support that and, and it's a great movie and you're right there are moments in this movie where i realize whoa okay so the guys behind the camera <laughs> the technical mm-hmm. people they're, they've got some they've got something on the ball here there's something actually effective in several shots and Troy, yep. you mentioned earlier, there are moments in this film that are very well edited. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's the script that keeps jerking everything around. I know, I know. Yeah. One sequence I thought was, I don't know if I'd call it, I mean, it's it's it, it's bizarre. I don't know if I'd even call it like a a good idea, but it's just interesting to me is that it takes this sudden weird avant-garde turn at times, especially in that scene where they're yeah. wandering through the art the crafts, uh, oh, like yeah. the art fair, and it suddenly, they, suddenly it feels you know you you switch this handheld camera kind of yeah, and where through the whole background of the song of the shot, there's a police siren going on through the whole shot. Yes. It's very odd, very strange. I thought it kind of anticipated though, uh, 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 what would come later with uh, films like Easy Rider doing that kind of thing, like the whole Mardi Gras sequence in Easy yeah. Rider has that same sort of feel. Yeah, but uh, in Easy Rider, the, there, there's a reason for exactly. to, to, yeah. to, the reason for that. It's like the, yeah. we're showing the the effects of the of the of the of mm. the drugs and alcohol of the characters mm. in this. It's just well, this could be interesting. Yeah, that's a kind let's, of thing. Let's is find it's a way like, to juice this up visually because yeah. otherwise, what what do we got here? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. right? Well, and that that sequence was pretty dizzying. And did you? I, I did a double take when I saw the. Uh, you had a lot of artists in that plaza. Yeah. One. Did you catch the painting that? Very strangely, looked like his dead wife, who wasn't dead in that flashback. I didn't notice that. <laughs> but but there's a that. painting there, and it's just like, wait a minute. And they showed it mm. twice. Ah, okay. Yeah, and I wondered if that was a found piece of art, if that's something they just stumbled across and decided to take advantage of, or if that's something that they arranged. And because if it's something they arranged, well, you know, good. You know, that's a that's a that's a check mark on the on the plus column. Um, yeah, but well, they don't he, do something. Some, they don't do anything with it. Well, and he did some other interesting things in there. Like he, he put the camera up to one of the artists and the artist leaned in with his with his brush and he was waving the brush over the lens like he was painting the canvas. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, there were little touches in there. But, you know, I don't know if they threw that in there just also to underscore, OK, we got to make everybody dizzy. So they really let's hit them over the head with a hammer that this guy is crazy. Right. Well, and, and, and they they let us know really early, early on. And 
like you said, it's like, okay, they, they didn't do much more with that than just, okay, mm-hmm. you've got the police chasing after him. And here's poor Nashi. Uh, what was his character's name? Uh, Philippe. Philippe. I, I think, think they said it once. Right. And it's like, you know, all right. So basically they're in the, the dark, I guess one of the early bodies that they found. And it's like, you know, the, the commissioners there going, all right, well, Philippe, you wait here for the coroner. I'm, I'm going to go down to the pub and get a beer. Well, that's not what he was really doing. And it's like, okay, right, chief, you know, and you, and you're leaving poor Nashi, the inspector, he's standing out there in the cold with the body missing its hands under a sheet. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, like, and that's what I, honestly, that scene, that very first scene where we see Nash, I was like, okay, well, that's probably going to be the extent of his character. And then as the movie went on, we get like a couple of dialogue scenes mm-hmm. with him. I was really shocked. Was that? And he had the theory. He was the one who said it more than once that his theory was that it was vengeance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he kind of his instincts were on, just like Susan. Susan's instincts were were pretty much spot on. It's like something don't look right here, you know. Well, have <laughs> we mentioned like, already that um, apparently one of the things that uh, Nashi claimed is that uh, his the the character that he played was all, was to be much smaller than it ends up being uh, in the finished film, mainly because uh, he and the director got along so well during production that the director kind of beefed up his role and kind of put him in, in kind of inserted dialogue for him into a few extra scenes in the movie. And apparently this may have caused a little bit of tension. Yeah, apparently the, Logar wasn't too uh, happy with that. Yeah, apparently Logar yeah. didn't appreciate that, which, which comes to which puts a different spin on the, you know, the fact that Nashi, you know, ends up with actually the best action the the film's really only big action sequence for the yeah, most yep. part is when he fights with Logar and Nashi says that that was a real rock that Logar that's uh, is hefting over his head and throwing down close to Nashi's head you know and yeah. uh, so so <laughs> Logar may have for a minute thought like we'll really cut this guy's screen time short in there you know with it but let's just right let's just kill him with a great big rock yeah yeah that's it but it's amazing to me that they even tried that but apparently according to Nashi that was a real rock and he really threw it right down next to his head he's like yeah, I was inches yeah. away from being brained brained well, by a huge rock and, <laughs> and I, knowing what we know about Nashi who you yeah. know he was a you know what? He was a championship weightlifter. It's like yeah. pretty unlikely that Juan Logar could yeah. take him. Yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, yeah. unless he's laying on the ground and yeah. he thinks, ah, this is just a movie. Yeah, <laughs> or, or or he just had insane, crazy person strength. Yeah, <laughs> well, he may have because yeah. let, let's, let's. I gotta, I gotta ask you guys one more thing though. Mm-hmm. So speaking of insane, crazy person strength, so can we talk about the murder weapon? Oh yeah, the. Uh, oh, sure. Did you catch? Did you catch what they called it? And I looked it up, and it's like I've never heard of this before. Yeah, it was um. And I don't know if it was the translation, yeah. but they called it an autopsy hatchet. Yeah, autopsy oh. hatchet. And, and it's like, no, and, it, and, a- and it was Nashy. He said the murder weapon was an autopsy hat- hatchet, and our expert told us that. And it's like, well, what kind of an expert? Who has a hatchet in an, in, <laughs> well, in an autopsy room? So they haven't used hatchets in autopsies since, you know, that's that's come back several centuries, I think. Like, yeah, or, yeah going are, back to the Aztecs. There are, there are bone saws and bone knives. Yeah. It's like, maybe that's what you were aiming for? Yeah, yeah that's that feels to me a bit like a uh, a rough slash terrible translation to it, to some degree. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> well, and and the way you know he was doing it too. The first couple murders, anyway, where he's like he would just sneak up behind them and like get them in the throat first. You know, yeah, cut and then their you throat. Said, yeah, it was and always they would like, bleed you know, out invisibly. 
Yeah, I guess, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Although the hand, the sequences where the hands were pretty gory. And did you notice as he got crazier and more bold, he got sloppier with his work mm-hmm. because yeah. he, would, he, I think early on he was cleaning off the blade, but later it's like, oh, you, I'm just going to leave bloody rags inside this this suitcase, this this awful, horrible briefcase. <laughs> or show <laughs> which he had a secret yeah. compartment hiding place for. And, and he got really upset when one of the girls picked it up. He's like, oh, no, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, don't, no, yeah, don't, no. look, don't don't look in there. Well, what's in there? <laughs> oh, just papers. <laughs> don't mind the two. Just don't don't mind the two disembodied hands in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that means nothing. <laughs> By the way, don't ever touch just, it again or I'll kill you. Or how about showing his just, bloody sleeve just, to his mom there, you know, letting his yeah, mom oh, see yeah. his bloody <laughs> yes. sleeve of yeah. his coat there. I was waiting for her to notice that, and then she finally did. <laughs> and she asked him what's wrong, and yeah, and that led up to the "my son is crazy" scene, of course. Yeah. But it's like, but yeah, the blood on the sleeve. It's like, yeah, again, yeah, he was getting sloppy. Which, is, which is actually yeah. one of the few things in the script, the way it's written, that I actually have a little respect for. Which is the, you know, that's that's the the thing that's the thing that turns out to be a bit of reality. Which is the yeah. you know, the, the killers do get sloppier the longer they get, the longer they go along. Because yep. they, you know, they they may start out worried that they're going to be caught, and they're being very careful. But as they aren't caught, you know, there it, it goes down to the question of whether or not there's a psychological desire to be caught or not. And so they start taking more chances, and they start being sloppier. But that that that's actually a point in this in this script's favor, which you know, in my book, it didn't have very many. So give it that one. So yeah, and and one wow. other sequence, I one other sequence I thought was kind of nice. Uh, going back to where he earlier, where he's a little more careful, a little bit cooler about what he's doing, that I, I thought was kind of a neat sequence is when he kills the young surgeon or the guy he visits at the house and and the entire time the guy's like being so hospitable to him and like welcoming to him yeah. he's he's setting out his gloves he's setting out the briefcase i mean he's getting all of his tools out that <laughs> yeah. he's about yeah. to kill this guy with meanwhile the guy's like hey let me make you a drink and i thought well that guy's kind of that's kind of chilling i thought that's a pretty nicely little <laughs> setup sequence there you know right and i think well that was that was the pierre character i think that was the guy with the really short hair yeah. i think he tried to kill him twice but one, well, at, at the wrong know, moment, you're, you're thinking about the next murder. This is an earlier. This is, I guess, really the second murder. I think. Yeah, is yeah. This the, first, the, first, the first one we actually see. Yeah, yeah right, right. It's, oh. I don't remember who the character. Was. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That was the one where the guy went upstairs yeah. and said, "I'll yeah. go get the booze." Exactly, and he follows him upstairs. But I love the way the whole time the guy's talking to him and so happy to see him. He's just sitting there putting yeah. on the gloves, and you know, he's like, "Yeah." Oh, that was right. That was an earlier one, yeah. right? Right. Because I think Pierre was like murder number four or something like that. Which, which there was. a pretty decent body count in this at least mm-hmm. well yeah but at, at, but once again it's like uh i i you do get the sense that uh, they they skimped on, on they bought the very small bucket of blood yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and they had no budget for nudity apparently at all you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. they, they, they weren't paying anybody to to, to 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 show their bare ass or any mm-hmm. breasts at all it's yeah you're like, not really even getting an impression that there was like a an unclothed Dang version it. of this film anywhere you know it's like because it doesn't really even seem to be well then again that apparently Stopped, you know, they, they then again apparently shot this in in the uh, the winter, so maybe yeah. getting people out of their clothing was not something anybody was really interested in. Well, I know that Nashi said the conversations he and the director began to have about making a monster movie occurred when they were both sitting in a car to get away from the cold because they were both freezing their asses off. You yeah. know, they were just yeah. in a car and start talking about, hey, you know, we ought to make a, a monster movie. You know, that <laughs> does, well, that does happen a lot with those location shoots, and apparently, yeah. you, you guys probably noticed the staircase. Which oh, you've seen yes. Now, see, we Horror rises the, from the, the tomb. The and, yeah. you know, and that's fans, a, yeah. a, 
apparent well apparently that's Nashi's family's yeah. farmhouse. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen that in a couple of movies oh, and man. it's like more you know, than more than you. How how the devil yeah. yep. heart rises from the tomb. Heart rises. That's where Alaric's dead yeah. went clunk 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 down the stairs. Yeah, I was gonna say we've seen heads go down those steps, we've seen bodies explode on those stairs, you know. It's like <laughs> when I first saw him from looking up, I was like, I think that's the you know, stairs yeah, when you yeah. see him the opposite, when you see him from the reverse angle looking down the stairs, yep. then there's no question. It's like, wow, that's that's the next well, also home, that man. there's also that shot a little bit later in the film where uh it was it is beautiful because you actually see Nashi walking uh from from uh the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen and it's you're you're actually at the, the camera's planted at the top of the stairs mm. and it and it turns as he comes along and then you're looking down that staircase yeah. and it's just like you can see the that very dis, the very distinctive guardrails that are along mm. the along mm. that patio or porch and it's just uh-huh. like aha yeah that's the place yeah. if, I had, doubts, place. if yeah. I had any doubts if I had any doubts before uh-huh. that's it right there so yeah. yeah so that was probably even though it never is addressed in any of Natchez's interviews or recollection you know you figure at some point he was just like hey I know I know you can use, you yeah, know, it's yeah. so yeah. <laughs> probably one of the ways in which he was able to push mm-hmm. along the production or make the production mm-hmm. easy is like this. You know, this location won't cost you a cent because right. I. Own that's it, right. You know? He said, "Great, you're hired. If we can use your house, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that wouldn't be the first time that's happened in a movie. For no, movies, no, yeah. it certainly wouldn't be. It certainly <laughs> oh, well, wouldn't be. Well, I mean, if yeah, been, if you've ever done like amateur productions, <laughs> it's like yeah, you just do you you do whatever you can. It's, you, <laughs> it's you that shoot first, and then you you beg forgiveness later. Yeah, it's that moment when so, when you look at somebody and go, "You own a cape." <laughs> yeah, you're oh, damn. Yeah, you're in the film. Yeah. <laughs> or in this movie, it's like wait a minute. So Juan's like, "We got to have a rose bush." Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. We haven't talked about the rose bush. Okay. Yeah. Another red flag. (laughs) Because while Jacqueline was alive, is it just me, or is is John a little crazy when he's like, "Well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take this rose bush and we're gonna take all of our troubles and we're gonna bury them at the foot of the rose bush so they can't hurt us anymore." And it's like, oh. That's when Boy, we're be, headed for trouble here. That's when she should have been uh, should have been putting a little distance there, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's another she instance of, for the hills. Yeah. <laughs> it's another instance of what you were saying earlier, Bob, which is there are some interesting ideas that are buried in this. They're just not handled very well. I agree. Yeah, and it's just yeah. like I agree. Uh, you can see the you can see the outline of things that would be very interesting if a better scriptwriter was playing with them. If if they were drawing out these threads and and kind of pushing pushing this forward, so that when we get those shots where he's burying the hands mm. near yep. the rose bush, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it would be, it would be something. It would actually have some I don't know emotional heft. It would actually have mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. some kind of agree. Agree. Well, and also if they'd had a better lead actor, I know I feel oh, like I'm God, really whipping yes. I'm whipping Juan Logar here, but he deserves it okay. because yeah. I think Let's, that's part of the reason why this was like an opportunity loss because we know, you know, when movies go into production, um, you know, you, you can get directors who will just, you know, let the actors you know, perform their craft. And it's like, if you have a good actor, maybe, you know, you might do another take and say this, maybe it's like, hey, Enrique, this might be uh, a little more effective. Instead of doing this, how about if I give you this face, right? Instead of that face, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, Mm -hmm. where Logar is like, it seems like he's got two looks. Mm -hmm. That's about it, you know? He's he's got the dour, dour, slightly detached face, and then the crazy eyes face. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's it. And it's like, he, and that's the thing, he just, he he didn't he didn't have the range that was required 
to deliver a performance in connection with a character like this. He just he just didn't have the chops yeah. for this. And I he think just, that maybe he learned that, which is why, you know, he made a couple of movies later on that that at least one of them we can we've seen it we can recommend, but he's not an actor in it. Right. Right. Like Crystal Brain was like that. And the lead was Eduardo Fajardo, who is like, who was a great oh, hell actor. Oh, actor, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he was terrific, you know? And it's like, I was actually able to follow what was going on even without the subtitles. And then you had other act- professional actors in there who were actually really, really good actors. So, but I don't remember spotting Juan in there. So it's, which, which I think the film was better for him. Yeah. But, you know, he, he kind of, I don't know if I go so far as to say he hurt the team more than he helped it, but he came darn close, you know, with his, with the performance, the the performance, when the central performance is one that you're, I won't say I'm not buying it because I don't think he's selling it. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I I just think that it's a hindrance to Mm -hmm. actually, you've got to get past his performance Mm -hmm. to actually be interested in anything else going on. And that doesn't help in a film where he's the central character and the murderer. And I, I can understand one reason why the director may have felt like maybe I need to give the cops some more dialogue because at least then we, we, we get a, a sense of impending, impending, uh, something you know so because all we're getting from from the killer is crazy eyes but Mm -hmm. if we have the cops actually seemingly puzzled and and Mm -hmm. actually giving voice to some of the questions that they would have in an investigation like this at least it feels like something's happening yeah as opposed to us just watching this crazy person do his crazy shit and then wait until he gets caught Mm -hmm. so like i I don't know i don't know um it, it it feels like the the central performance isn't just necessarily a hindrance. It's almost something that while making the movie, I wonder if this was a discovery while they were making the movie or if the director had already worked with this guy enough that he knew he was going to have to kind of play around at the edges to, to, to kind of give this something a little bit more interesting to, to, to pop off the screen. But Mm -hmm. it does, it does not bode well that, uh, uh, we know for a fact that the character that Nashi plays, who is one of the investigators for the police, didn't even have the amount of dialogue, the, the little amount of dialogue that he has in the film. And so, and that, that that him having that dialogue and having more scenes in the movie pissed off the quote unquote scriptwriter and star. That doesn't tell that, that that doesn't give you a good sense of this guy understanding that what he's trying to build here is close to falling down if it's not shored up by something else that he doesn't seem to be willing to to put into the put into the story. Well, right, and like you said, maybe it was too early in his career and his experience for him to even realize that, and maybe he wised up later. So, maybe, maybe so. I mean, maybe he needed this kind of, you know, this kind of, and, and this is all, we're speculating here, mm-hmm. but maybe he right. did need to to have kind of people point out to him when when this film was finished and screened that, you know, you kind of suck. And maybe <laughs> pulling, pulling yourself out of the pulling yourself out of the center of your of your story might have been a better idea. <laughs> You wonder, did Juan Logar and Logar Production Company surround himself with yes men? He's like, hey, I got a great idea. I'm going to be the lead actor. And they're like, Juan, that's a great, brilliant idea. Brilliant. You know, yes. 
you know, but, you know it's like nobody it's like nobody saying no to him go uh Juan, you know you might want to get a you got a professional director why don't you get a professional for the lead if you want to release this theatrically and like but that's money? just it i'm sure he thought of himself as a professional until he realized that he didn't have the ability to pull off what you know he was hoping would be able to pull off i mean like i say one way or another you know, two you know uh what was it two years later He's he's writing and directing a film of his own, and he's smart enough to not be in front of the camera. He hires yeah. he hires good actors, and we get yeah. two males for Alexa, which once again I can recommend. Yeah, that's a that's a great one. So well, you know, chalk it up to experience, I guess. <laughs> it, you know, it was another thing that was sort of interesting is the way he depicted like young people how young people acted and thought at the time in paris thank you for saying yeah, that because i was yeah i was literally going to say the one time in the film if there's any time in the film i sympathize with Juan, it's when the bohemians intrude upon him at random you know <laughs> yeah. in fact that's never good i even have a sign over my own front door that says no unwanted bohemians uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no bohemians allowed. Yes. Well, and they're always showing up at exactly the wrong yeah, moment. It's like, yeah, can't yeah. you see I'm trying to do a murder here? And it's like, <laughs> look, oh, I am super boy. busy. Super like, fucking busy. Yeah. Like, really busy right now. And it's like, I got it. It's like, damn it. I got to take the black gloves off and I got to throw them in the, the, the briefcase with the bloody rags and, and, the, and the, the autopsy hatchet and lock the lid, you know, and it's like, dunk on it. And it's like, why are you guys here? Well, we came to cheer you up. So, hey. Let's, I know, I know, you're going to drink my booze and you're going to dance. That's right. <laughs> Somebody's going to go through the 45 collection and start playing things randomly that we can get away with playing. Well, and it's like, you know, anything passed for dancing back then. Because like the oh, first scene yeah. in the club, I was watching this girl who was like in a sailor suit or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> and it was like just uh, the weirdest thing, the way she was moving her body. And she had to have this hat on that was, she must have you know, stapled it to her head or something like that. <laughs> That's a case of dance to music you're not actually hearing at the moment. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is usually what's happening in films, which is, when I, I remember decades ago when I found out that in general, you know, when you see people dancing in a movie uh guess guess what they're dancing to pure silence and so there's it's all in their it's, it's all in their head and so if, you, oh, yeah. if, if they're if you're trying to discern something from you know like the rhythms of their movements it's like yeah everybody had their own rhythm dude because there's nothing going on oh my god you want to see some funny dancing if you've ever seen king of kong island with brad harris oh, okay i've still you know, i've still not watched all of that oh you must you must. And there's a scene in there where I describe him as the whitest white man on the planet <laughs> dancing, right? And he's doing it with the, with the hand claps. And, and it's like, okay, so whatever he's dancing to, it, it, it's definitely not the same music that everybody else in the room. He's, he's, he's just like doing his own thing there. You know, just, you know what I always flash terrible. on? I always flash on, and this is this is probably a bad example because it's a, it's it's a question of whether or not actually people understood what this what the song was going to sound like. But I always flash to Dracula eighty seventy two with Stone Ground. Oh yeah, Stone Ground. Yeah, <laughs> and That's all right. the gyrating oh. and dancing going on in there, and it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think that they had a. I think that some of those people either were on drugs or had an idea of what the song was going to sound like. I'm not sure. But. An alligator man from the alligator clan. Alligator like man. From the alligator clan, yeah. <laughs> Stone Ground, who I think has like 20 members. I think there's like 20 members of that oh, band. I, I have no like, idea. I, I, what I know of Stone Ground is what I just said. They were in Dracula yeah, 8072. Yeah. 
That's well, and I, I think they, they threw them in there because Rod Stewart and the, and what was it, Faces backed out at the last minute because they hit it big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Think, yeah, it's exactly right. And it's, uh, yeah, so it's they, like, they, oh, well. <laughs> so you got Stone Ground. Stone which, 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 which is fine because now I know who Stone Ground are, at least in mm. one movie. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know enough to be able to say the name and to be fascinated by it. <laughs> if, if I had a choice of watching Dracula AD 1972 again or Dying in Crime, mm. I would probably go to the Hammer film. <laughs> you and me oh, both. You and me both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've I've actually come to a, a decent appreciation of Dracula eighty seventy two, and definitely yeah. its sequel. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. It's a- oh yeah. I'm actually I'm I'm right with you on that one. Yeah, Satanic Rites Dracula. I, I th- that's like a perennial favorite for me. Every time I watch it, I enjoy it more and more. <laughs> you know, you know what tur- turned me around on that film was when it came out on Blu-ray because in high definition it. I, I really appreciated that film. I'd, all, I'd only ever seen... I'd seen it several times over the years, but man, once you had a, a, a nice widescreen, high-definition oh, yeah. copy of Satanic Rites, it's like, you know, this movie's kind of damn good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, and especially if you weren't looking at a cut TV print, which was what I started with a million years ago. Oh, yeah. It was one of those movies that it was so hard to find and so difficult to see and somebody sent me like uh you know we were all trading vhs tapes and somebody dubbed it off a of television you know with commercials and it's like oh well it's like there's not much to write home about here you know and then, and then you see the the full-on version with all the violence and all the nudity which i already always 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 heard about because they because you, know, you always heard this is such a violent movie and when i first saw it it's like what violence? <laughs> you know, it's like, boy, it, it took me about, about 15, 20 years later. It's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> yes. Well, even in the even in the chopped down TV version, there were a few moments in the movie that survived even the, the, the TV version of the film, like that scene in the basement, which. Oh, yeah. Which works. With the vampire women. And the, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, yeah. What, like I say, I I, I thought it was a, just a, a sad ending to the Hammer Dracula films until that Blu-ray came out, and boy, I turned around pretty hard and fast on that one. Those Hammer Dracula movies were those those are fun. <laughs> I, I can watch those year round too. I don't have to wait for Halloween to have. Although that gives me an excuse to watch them sometimes, yeah. <laughs> you know. But well, here's but, a, here's a question for you though. I have always and. This this one always seems like a no brainer to me. I've always much preferred the uh, the Frankenstein series of films that Hammer did to the Dracula yeah. ones, but uh, that's mainly because I always felt you know the, those last couple of Dracula films is like they kind of you know fumble and fart and fall. But now, like I say, my reevaluation of the last one is like where do you, where do you fall on that? Do you prefer the 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 Frankenstein thread or the the Dracula thread? You know, it's funny because I I, I think I probably would go with you there because I find the hammer Frankensteins are interesting because you go to the Draculas and it's like, all right, well, yeah. Okay. we got a few Draculas where Lee wasn't interested in doing it. Right. But for the most part, Dracula, Dracula was the central character. Whereas in the hammer Frankensteins, if you go back to universal, right. The monster was the creature. Mm-hmm. Whereas you go into the hammer Frankensteins as, as they went on, the monster was the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, which I thought made it much more interesting. And I think it hit me when it really hit me was probably when I saw Frankenstein must be destroyed. Yeah. Which I think 
is I, 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 that's one of my favorites, actually. And I think so, it used I used to think it was underrated, but I think it's come to be appreci- appreciated much more yeah. uh, as time has gone on. But boy, more than ever in that one, it just hit me in the face. It's like, oh, my God, this guy's a sociopath <laughs> the way he functions, you know, I mean, because he was so aggressive and he just he didn't care about. Veronica Carlson. He's like, well, imagine how old you're going to look after you've been in, uh, you know, you've been in a, a regional prison for 30 years, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's like, it's, it's this poor sweet girl and he's terrorizing her, you know, well, that, and he does worse things the, to her. Well, yeah, exactly. And it has the incredibly controversial rape scene, too. The rape scene, right. Oh. Right, right. Well, it's just, yeah, so it's like, I, I think the Frankensteins, I thought were more, for me, they were more interesting and uh, more creative than the Draculas started becoming a little cookie cutter. And I could see where they tried to do different things, you know, well, where I they had Van Helsing in China, you know, and Legend well, yeah, of the which, I love that. I love movie. that one. Especially, well, <laughs> yeah. I, the only way I love it is the, the uncut version of it. Not that the, right, uh, the yeah. American version yeah. is, yeah. is well, a boring yeah. travesty, but yeah. yeah. yeah oh yeah. yeah. Well, that one's a lot of fun, Yeah, <laughs> but, but I'm a sucker for Shaw brothers movies too. So it's oh, like yeah, sure. Hammer yeah. and Shaw, Shaw brothers. It's like, yeah, I'm there. Okay. Okay. Well, I've run us off. I've run us off the rails here talking about Hammer movies all of a sudden, <laughs> and, and and I can feel us. I can feel the 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 inevitable tug of the Shaw Brothers films if we if we're not very careful. But the, uh, the, the to, we we already kind of told everybody up front that we really can't recommend this film except for Nashy completists. Yeah, but at least if you yeah. are a completist, you know you don't have to go into it thinking, okay, there's the one scene with Nashy and it's over. You know, you can't. We can say that Nashy is throughout the film and his yeah. character. It is a supporting role, but his character does have some screen time so and yeah. you know spoiler alert he does have a pretty good death scene yes he does he does so yep. it's, it's, it's not bad of course you do you do definitely feel for him because that's another one of those shot on location things where you're pretty sure everybody's freezing their balls off yeah so. and he's having to lay in a right. straight line of stream you know that yeah. <laughs> yeah. so could not have been wonderful i wonder yeah. if he caught a cold or something yeah. oh my god well you know and you had um you know you had some interesting characters that you could pick out of there. Like we picked out Yelena Samarina and like, did you notice the Butler, the old, the, the old Butler there who that was actually, you mentioned a Franco film early or just Franco movie, but he was Dr. Zimmer in diabolical Dr. Z. Oh, oh yeah. okay. it was Antonio oh, Escribano. Oh, nice. I missed uh-huh. that. You're, you're so right. yeah, he, he didn't have a whole lot to do in this movie until towards the end. He was just mm-hmm. the butler in his mom and dad's house. But, yeah. you know, at least he had the good sense to try to ring the police up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when he saw the note that said, my son is crazy. You, you know, another thing that we didn't touch on that, that came up right away was going back to the chief surgeon. Yeah. Remember the line that he said, because Juan's like, you know, well, I mean, I'm a fourth year student. You know, can I be in the operating room while you're operating on Jacqueline? And the doctor says, trust my hands mm-hmm. yeah that was a key yeah. line trust yeah. my, and, and and then that was another thing they had the, they had that ringing in his ear and reverberate trust my hands and it's like yep 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 he's crazy <laughs> you and know like, like i said that there are there are things in the movie that that could if if handled just mm-hmm. a little bit better mm-hmm. yeah. would have made for a better film and, and well, yeah. And, yeah well you guys picked out all the good stuff in there too like you know 
Well, Troy was speaking to the uh, the editing, and we yeah. mentioned Artigo, who was the cinematographer. And some of the more effective scenes, and there weren't many where he was building much suspense, but it was pretty creepy. The shots of you saw his shoes after going up, creeping up the stairs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and they paid more attention to the lighting and the framing when he was creeping up behind his victim, mm-hmm. which was which was kind of interesting. Of course, you had the the one where he kept trying to kill the one guy i, I, I yeah. think it was pierre and, and you know he would you know pierre would leave the room he closed the door he'd get the briefcase out he'd get the gloves on and then that's when the bohemians would show up <laughs> yeah so then, then he's <laughs> got to pull the gloves off and grab it grab his briefcase, get the hell out of there real quick so it took two tries and then you had who was it then the the second time when he was successful and i think i think pierre i think was victim number four and then they suddenly cut the scene that you didn't even actually see him killing the guy but then they cut the scene to you had uh, Susan, the psychiatrist, and you had Henry, his other friend, who was doing a little digging into his girlfriend's death. And then you had Pierre's girlfriend in the back seat. Fanny. And yeah. they just and they're like, well, yeah, I guess they're like, well, gee, we haven't heard from Pierre. That's kind of mm-hmm. odd. You know, and they said, well, we'll see you later. And they just drop her off and she goes in and she finds the body missing the hands and starts screaming. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the poor thing. It's like, <laughs> imagine how that traumatized her. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Well, you reminded yeah. me a minute ago of the, uh, when, the the moment when he's interrupted when he's when he's prepping to kill the guy and then the, all all the the Bohemians show up, which you know, in just a few years later, the the, the characters that show up would would definitely be hippies. But the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but in this in, in this they're you know medical students who are just mm. a little too drunkable, mm-hmm. and so. <laughs> but what we get here, is what, what I kept thinking the first time through the film was is uh you know he, he pulls his gloves off he's like he's got the he's got the super wide eyes now because he's been interrupted when he was when he had murder on his mind and what yep. i kept think what i kept thinking was he's he's he looks like a guy who's who's just been caught about to masturbate and needs to get the hell out of the room before anybody <laughs> figures out and it's like oh my god the poor guy had a murder murder boner and he needed to get out of the room before anybody noticed that explains everything it's like the bohemians i love that by the way that you're calling them the it's like I, I got a murder boner here. It's like, how else am I supposed to react? Get out of here. Well, in, in my in my notes, I was also referring to them as, you know, uh, swinging Paris by, you know, by way of, of Sp- Spaniards or whatever, you know, yeah, 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 swinging yeah. Paris as seen by Spaniards. Yeah, it's like, it's like having well, and did you catch the dig at the United States? Because like, oh, yeah, so and so went over to the United States. And this one of the, the one of the Bohemians oh, is like, yeah. Ah, why would you want to be going over there? He studies all the time. It's so boring in the United States. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, I guess they've never been to any... I, I guess they never. I guess they never went to a toga party. <laughs> Probably just not. by what was going on around that time. They never met Bluto, aka John Belushi. <laughs> yeah. so, you know. I know, right? It's like I'll just slurp down some green Jello for you. And spit it out. <laughs> Another choice bit of dialogue was when I think it's when they're at the club, and I think there's a girl hanging out with them that they're maybe trying to even get a little interested in. In in one, you know, but yeah. but he wanders off in one of his, you know, he's, he's being his usual moody. Uh, unreachable self and she says something that girl the girl that she says she says I like men who are hot blooded and I'm sitting there you yeah. know, referring to him and I'm sitting there thinking hot blooded is not the term I'd use to describe Juan unless hot blooded means the same as cold calculating you know yeah. detached. detached you know <laughs> intense you know right exact opposite cold blooded killer yeah. <laughs> well and the movie had some sexist attitudes oh on God. display because oh, they made somebody not? made a yes. comment 
He's like, I wouldn't want to see a scalpel in a woman's hand. Yeah. It's like, well, oh, I don't I want know. to see yeah. <laughs> the whole thing about the yeah, how ridiculous it would be to for a, for a woman to be a surgeon. <laughs> it's yeah. just like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Well, when I heard that, I started laughing. It's like, I don't want to see a scalpel in Juan's hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Plus, quite honestly, you guys are supposedly medical students, and I don't want you anywhere near my gallbladder. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Or Pierre was sitting there. He's probably. It looked like he was drinking scotch, and he's like reading a. He's probably like doing his studies. And, you know, and his girlfriend, you know, isn't there. And he made a comment, you know, about how, oh, yeah, well, you know, um, we had a fight. You know, sometimes women have to be treated roughly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was the that was the line where I was sitting there going, oh, wow, we are. OK. Yeah. Yeah. What, what year was this? That's right. The <laughs> late 60s. Yeah. Late, or, right. It's it was like a time capsule, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's, it's like, boy, attitudes, because that that wouldn't really fly today. <laughs> well, well I, I, honestly, by the by by 20 years later, it wouldn't have flown. It yeah. would have been the thing that got you a really sharp glance from a lot of people really quick <laughs> but there's even a there's oh, yeah. even the token uh, character that has to uh, has to spout a few lines of like revolutionary jargon there you know it's a one scene where they're all the pretty early in the film but some of the students are standing around talking and there's one of their friends he doesn't really show up again it's just one scene but he's the one who's he's, he's kind of the obviously the revolutionary there where he uh-huh. has to say a couple of political statements oh, yeah. there that they just kind of blow him off you know but you got to have that one character in there in the <laughs> 60s film set in paris well, you've got to have those characters you know that's why i said that you know in about two years these characters yeah. would have been would, would have been would have been hippies that's, yeah, all, that's, that's, yeah. that's exactly what they would have been you know they'd have been wearing you know fringed jackets and beads and they'd have they'd have you know been wearing a wig that's mm. an obvious wig that's supposed to, that's supposed to code them as a hippie and it's like mm. okay and instead of coming over to put on music and dance to it, put on music to like lay back on the couch oh, and like get, get, get stoned yeah. too, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe maybe do a little satanic ritual or something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> lean, lean in that direction. Let's bring Dracula back to life. <laughs> See, full circle back to Dracula eighty seventy two. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank Come you. on, kids. Well, you know, if if we if we were going to enhance the script or do a rewrite, right? Because we we definitely picked out what we don't like about it, mm-hmm. right? What would we add? Well, let's see. Better special effects budget, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah buy, like, buy a second bucket of blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More blood, more money so you can afford uh, some nude scenes, mm-hmm. right? Right, right. I would buy an because actual like, rose bush. It's like Nashy, Nashy always got that right. It's like I always said, you know, a Paul Nashy movie without the nudity is like pancakes without the syrup. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. So it's like, you know, Juan, you know, get a clue here. And, uh, well, the casting, we couldn't do anything about that. But, you know, it's like in this kind of a thriller, all right, so we touched on this really early in the discussion, how, all right, we know early, early on that we know it's the Jean character who's the killer, right? right? But, you know, unfortunately, Paul Nashi's Philippe character, you know, he was just a police inspector and going through the motions as like in any other police procedural we've seen in Italian movies. And, you know, it's not like he was Columbo, you know, right, where right. he knew. And it's like, you know how like, you know, you watch Columbo and, and he already knows you did it. And the fun is getting the killer to fess up. And it's yeah. like it would have been more fun if they could have done the script and like turn the screws on John to the point where he cracked. You know, and and he's like, oh, you know, can you imagine Nashy turning around going, oh, yeah, John, one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, how great would that have been? been But it's like, uh, well, you know, I guess Juan Logar wasn't that far ahead of his time. I would have I think I would have continued to 
have Susan be a sympathetic ear for one or continue to try to. Try to be, yeah. Because, first yeah. of all, because that actress is good and she's good in that role and her role is interesting. And through her, we might have been able to gain a little more sympathy for one if we could continue to see him through her eyes as someone to help. She kind of does an about face, you know, on into the film about before the last third where she's basically saying, stay away from this guy. He's crazy. You know, it's her psyche. She kind of gives up on him, too. Like, there's something too weird about him. I think well, it might have been more interesting if she had continued to kind of be maybe sort of attracted to him, at least attracted to what's going on to try and solve him. Yeah, or just know, super curious him, you know, yeah. curious enough about him to want to mm-hmm. to want to dig in there. And yep. it's like, that's exactly yep. where I was going to go. It's like the, the improvement that I would make, the one thing that I would drill down on is that is her character, the character of Susan, who's the psychiatrist. I would continue having her question him. And as a matter of fact, I would have that questioning culminate in him not really like breaking down or anything like that and, and saying some things, but I would use her questioning him at least one more time, if not two more times in the film to allow us some insight into what's driving him. In other words, how he's seeing this. Mm-hmm. So we would that would be the time where we would find out where, we would, we, where he would drop the information about what actually killed his fiance. Right. We would, right. We would, we would have his view on... The, the 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 young boy that is now in his care we would have him actually give voice to what how that's factoring into his thinking but right. that's that's the change I would make because then it would it would be a film that actually gave us some insight mm. into his 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 driving force his motivations that would actually add and enhance to what's already there it's just like what, what we need is that. And it's just yep. you know, that's that's what I would add. That's that's the thing that I think is the most obvious missing piece. I, you know, I think you really hit on it too because now that you mention it, I think it would have been so much better had it been Susan who discovered his secret in a definitive way instead of his yeah. mother. And Susan ended up being the one who was taken hostage. Yeah, with absolutely. Yeah, Precisely. and you would have had a lot more tension there because the Susan character was so much more sympathetic Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know but they ended up just making it the mother and it's like maybe juan did it because it's like well this is a well-known actress i don't even remember her name but it's you know this but it's like we're paying her a lot of money so we got to get our screen time out of her yeah both the actors playing uh, juan's parents had had pretty extensive careers yeah 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 right well and you know and interestingly the, the the guy who played um well it was so john's father right he also early on knew something wasn't right because how many times did we mm-hmm. hear him say, "I'm I'm concerned," mm-hmm. you know? And he was yeah. at one point he was expressing his his fears openly mm-hmm. to his wife, and then John walks in and says, "I've been here all along. I heard every word," mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he storms. And it was an odd scene, and then he walked out, and and mom and dad are just like staring at each other like, blink, blink. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was kind of awkward, but it's like. So, yeah, you had, you know, you had the Nashy character who was like, yeah, I think this is vengeance. And you had Susan who was trying to get something out of him and then gave up, said, yeah, he's crazy. You know, he, you know, mm-hmm. dangerous, psych- you know, mm-hmm. neurosis, you know, psychotic neurosis. Stay away from him, you know. And then the dad. So it's like nobody connected the dots. <laughs> well, I, before we forget, uh, the, the, the actress who played Juan's mother. Uh, or Jean, Jean, I forget we're in France. Okay. Mm. Uh, Jean, Jean. Uh, that, that, that actress, she uh, she actually worked with Nashi again. She was in El Comandante yeah. uh, years later. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She had a, it's not, it's not a huge role, but she, she's, she's in it. And it's one of those, another one of those little threads where, you know, Nashi worked with her in this film, or at least was in the production. They don't, have, they don't share any scenes. 
but uh, you know, he if he was as involved in the production as he obviously seems to have been, well, that that might have been his. This film might may have been his introduction to that actress. So there's that. Well, you know, it, it, it's interesting. So speaking of people working with Nashi, so the Pierre character. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I have to go back and watch Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, but you know, when I look through the credits, Manuel Manzanique. Mm-hmm. So. He was he was in Frankenstein's Bloody Terror, yeah. so it's like I guess maybe this is where Nashi got to know him, you know. So it's like there, you know, and maybe he had an Eggy Lou's connection too, you know. It's like, but um, so yeah, so many familiar faces here. Um, I, I guess the Spanish film industry was, um, you know, uh, it, it's so small and, for lack of a better word, almost incestuous, you know, because it's like you got everybody crossing over into everybody else's movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it was kind yeah. of fascinating in a way to just look and see. It's like, you know, just looking at the credits, it's like, man, a lot of these names are so familiar. Yeah. Well, yeah. actors are always, 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 always looking for work. So, you know, that, yeah. it's not a surprise that, you know, you see these, these things. All you have to do is prove that you're reliable and you're going to get used again because they, they, you know, the producers or the directors realize they can trust you. You're going to show up. You're not going to be a problem. And therefore, get, you know, this is this is someone that we can bring in again. So right. that's what when you see it when you see an actor who's in like you know twenty films over the course of five years, right? Yeah, yeah. Believe me, that means that this guy was this this guy or gal was reliable. <laughs> so. Right, right. And they probably were able to remember their lines and hit their marks, yeah. and and they weren't divas, and yeah. they show up. They didn't cause trouble. They, yeah, they didn't cause trouble. They show up. You know, where you know they weren't Klaus Kinski. <laughs> and Kinski can get away with it because he, he had a, he had enough notoriety by a certain point. It's just like well, got to put up with he, his shit. Oh great! And he would act. You know, he would act in just about anything. No, yeah. You know, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. In his autobiography, you know, he said he said he was like in his Kinski wrote something about was in his backyard, and the garbage man leans over the fence and says, "Hey, Klaus." How come you act in so many crappy movies? And Kinski goes, Kinski just looks at the guy and smiles, and he starts rubbing together his thumb and his yeah, finger. Yeah, money, money, yeah. <laughs> money, baby, yeah. money. It's like whoever pays the most. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I still to this day am stunned by the story about why Kinski didn't play that role in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, like, yes. Oh my God, why? <laughs> if he had, if he had any insight at all into what that film was going to oh become but it's like the other role that he, he, he the one he took offered him slightly more money and they would give him the wardrobe that he wore <laughs> that's the reason he took that particular film it's just like holy shit wow. man yeah and he was he just convinced himself that it was going to be garbage <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. It's like the way, you know, when uh, George Lucas said, oh, well, I'm going to go off to England and I'm going to make a movie about wizards and uh, eight foot tall dogs and uh, robots, you know, and they're like, you know, the producers are like, blink, 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 wait a minute, what? We have better plans for you. It's like, no, no, I'm going to go do this. And it's like, who knew Star Wars was going to get as, be as big as it became? You know, and then Raiders, you know, which how many sequels are they into that now? They're going to do a fifth one. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 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 down to diminishing returns mm. under the earth now. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, we are. Oh, Lord. I, I know. Right. Everybody's getting so long in the tooth. You know, though, I think is Juan Logar still alive? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, oh. good question. I, I because if he was born in the 30s, he's probably in his there's, late There's 80s. no way he's still alive. No. He could be. <laughs> oh, he could be. We don't have any definitive information on him passing away, so who knows? I don't know. There's a Juan Logar Jr. 
Yeah, he's a voice actor, and and uh, yeah, you know, which isn't that isn't that interesting? Because yeah, like it is. following following the footsteps of dear old dad. Well, uh, that's just it. I could is that his son? I think so, but I'm not 100 percent certain. I, I'm not I did 100% not read certain that. either. I, I didn't want to say it because I kept hunting, hunting and hunting and hunting, and it's like. Junior has a lot of impressive credits. I mean, he's he's doing yep. a lot of dubbing into Spanish of, you know, American films and things like this. But you look at his list of credits, it's like, this is a guy who gets called on to do a lot of stuff. Well, and, and there aren't a lot of people named Juan Logar. So it's There's like, that. <laughs> it's one of those yeah. things where you're like, hey, it seems like it could be. Maybe, maybe it could be. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. I don't know. You know what, though? If we ever got an, if you got an interview with Juan Logar, you could probably end it really quickly. You could say, Juan, can you do us an impression of Jerry Lewis? <laughs> you know, he, he would probably, he would probably just leave the call. <laughs> you could be right. Would have been interesting though. If it, you know, it's like I, I just didn't see it. I, I didn't hear any of the voice talent in the movie either. I presume <laughs> right. that was his actual voice. It may have been uh, the the list the list of the uh, the dubbing credits for this film are pretty interesting because most of the dubbing credits are actually the actors who worked in the film, and right. so uh, there's a there's a certain part of me that wonders if that just, you know if they you know they dub their own roles or mm. or or whatever it's very possible because like I say what we're dealing with here is a Spanish a Spanish soundtrack so there's no reason they wouldn't have. Well, and that's the way. Well, and that was the way they shot things a lot. Well, certainly in Italy. Um, you know, there was a documentary. Oh, gosh, I forget. I think it was called uh, The Movies That Ruled the World in the 70s. It was about uh, the Italian uh, crime films, right? Oh, yeah. And I think they were talking to, uh, God, it was either Henry Silver. Henry Silva, I think, might have been talking about it. And also, um, oh, my God, Fred Williamson, I think, was the one who brought it up, where they would shoot the films without sound. And you're trying to act yeah. while you got the carpenter in the background banging nails and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, and I think Henry Silva's like, good God. Or maybe it was even John Saxon complaining about it, going, good God, how am I supposed to act like this? <laughs> you know, right. so I don't know. Maybe maybe that guy, you know, Juan Logar could say, hey, that, you know, that really got in the way of my acting. <laughs> That's my excuse. I'm sticking to it. Who knows? I would I would be curious to to learn more about uh, Logar's career. Mm-hmm. You know, once once we stop having any real information about him, somewhere in the mid to early seventies, it's just like, what the hell happened, man? What, what were you doing? How were you? How were yeah. you putting pasta on the table? You know. <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently he did go back and make, I guess he made another movie like in the 80s. It sounded like maybe it was like a television, made for TV film or a television like yeah. film. But it, it didn't sound like anything he had done before, because if you you looked at what he was doing, like particularly with this one with the medical theme and crystal brain, the brain transplant and autopsy, it's like he definitely seemed like he had a bit of an obsession with uh, all things surgical, <laughs> you yeah. know? So for a little while there, but you know he wasn't prolific enough like a Jess Franco to go through all these different phases, you know, because like you know, because Franco had his his sex and surgery phase, you know, but then he he moved on to all kinds of other things. But one, I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I mean, the last credit that I see for Juan Logar is in 2013. Uh, it's a drama. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt the Spanish title. Yeah. Uh, well, that no, might have been. Okay. No, no. The, the English translation of the title is uh, "There's Still Time." 
Okay. And uh, maybe that's a reference to his age at the time. I don't know, but he was he wrote and directed it. He plays a small. He play apparently plays a role in it. Uh, it's got uh, Maria Costi. Mm. Ooh, love her. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Yeah. As well as well as a lot of other actors who I don't automatically recognize, but. Um, I yeah. didn't really say anything plot-wise about him. I have no, no, just no idea it's a, what it's just about. Just that it's a drama. It came out in 2013, mm. but that's the last credit for him, and it is him as writer-director. So, hmm. Well, I'd almost be tempted to take a look at it for Maria Costi, but, you know. It's he, like, also, he also did the music for it. Yeah. So yeah. Oh. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see if he still does the multiple credits. You know, I'll list them all as separate credit, credits because he's the producer, writer, director, mu- mu- did the music. I, I still can't get over that title card with the, the multicolors and the scripty everything by Juan. Ah, <laughs> oh, how do you spell arrogance? Mm-hmm. Juan? Yes. Juan equals ego. Yes. <laughs> ego. No, well, no wonder he and Nashi clashed, but... You know. can't have two egotists at the same place. It no, it's like... Out. No, right. It's like Juan's like, yeah, it's like, all right, Paul, this this town ain't big enough for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well here here's a question I've got for you. Now that now that we're now that we can wind this conversation down, but uh, there there's go. another there's another early in his career film from Paul Nashy that uh, I'm about to about to go off in search of a a subtitled copy of. I haven't found one yet. It may it may be easier to find, I don't know. But it's a film that Nashy was had had a small role in. In the 1970, uh, it's a crime film called uh, essentially the the Vertigo of Crime. Oh yeah, okay. I I think I've seen that one. Uh, it's, got, uh, it's, got, it's got Victor Israel and Marta Berry, so mm, at least I'm, you know there's some faces in it that I'm aware of. Angel Men- Angel Menendez, and so if it's the one I'm thinking of, he actually plays. He does have a bit part. And if it's the one I'm thinking, I remember I wrote a little something about it a long time ago, and he was a milk drinking, bodybuilding, uh, <laughs> kind of a thug <laughs> named Lolo or something Lolo, like that. Yeah, that's the name of his character. Yeah, that, that's the one. It. That's it. Yeah, you're that's on it. it. All right, memory like a steel trap. That's, that's, that say, that's impressive. One. That's impressive, Bob. That was that. that was it though. But no, yeah, you, you really pulled that one out. I was not expect. I, I knew I was going to be dragging this out, you know, kind of as a surprise. I didn't. I didn't expect you to remember Nashi's character name. Holy hell! No, I watched them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> but if you are real desperate, I know I'm almost 100 percent certain I got that one on VHS. But no subtitles. No subtitles oh well, I want to wait until until I find a subtitled version. I, I just wanted to uh, to dangle the the carrot out there. This so I can find a subtitled version. I'd like to. Uh, to torture, I mean, uh, bring you back to the, uh, <laughs> I was to, the just, show to talk about that one. I knew that was coming. It's like, yeah, we could rip into that one. I mean, we could praise yeah. that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember at this point, Troy and I are, you know, we, you, you, we already, we already spent a couple hours talking with you about the good Nashy films, and now we want to talk about the really obscure small ones that may or may not suck. Yes, here's one That's I got to right. ask you about, Bob. Did you ever make yourself? Because we haven't braved this one yet. Did, did you ever make yourself watch the? Uh, is it Count Dracula's Orgy of Blood? Something like that. Oh, the Don You know what? Don Glute film. Yeah. I did watch that one, and it was so long ago. I don't remember a single thing about it, and okay. I'm sure there was plenty of nudity. And it's like mm-hmm. it was probably one of those things. Okay. We all watch European movies. We've all seen Naked Girls before. There's nothing worthwhile in this movie, mm-hmm. but I, I know I, I know I've seen that one, but 
I just have nothing to say about yeah. it. <laughs> I've got, I got nothing. <laughs> I, uh, I still have not been able to bring myself to watch it, and uh, the, the, mainly because it's just that, it's that feeling, that that feeling I get in the pit of my stomach of watching one of my heroes mm-hmm. flounder around in something that's beneath him. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I'll tell you what was fun though is. When we saw this uh, at a convention in a room full of full of people, uh, oh, Fred I, know Olin, the, I know the story. We heard it from David Z. You heard this one, right? So Fred Olin Ray oh, streamed. Yeah. Uh, I think the title that he brought was "Tomb of the Werewolf." Yeah, yeah. Which and I had a lot of fun with it. You know, and he, he said something to some of us, or I think he said it to us in the bar. You know, where he came by and said, "Why are you guys in here still watching this?" <laughs> <laughs> He was so funny. He was such a humble director. And it's like, you know, we hauled, we hauled a cooler full of beer in there. I was handing beers out to people. And, you know, we're all just drinking and watching the movie. And we had a great old time with that one. <laughs> well, see, a lot of alcohol in that film was a great, it's a, it's a good combination. It is. It was, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it just, you know, it, 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 it just turns into a goof fest. But sometimes that's the way to watch movies, you yeah, know. I mean, absolutely. You know. I mean, this one, if we were all actually in a room together and drinking beer and eating hot wings, you know, we'd probably have a blast. Yeah, I'm sure we, we would. We'd, yeah. have, we'd have a hell of a time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, how, how many references to the bloodless throat slitting would we have before we all got tired of that joke? <laughs> I know. I know. You, you, you'd, you'd have to have a sound effect that we'd have, have out there. You just have one of those bells, and every time you have one of those, you go, ding, 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 ding. It's, it's like, it's sort of like, you know, Rod, hit the bell, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it's like there's no blood <laughs> it's like for god's sake juan it's like just remember on the next film to budget for more of dick smith's blood formula for god's sake yeah and it's like when you actually do see blood on screen everybody has to take a drink you know? we could have it well yeah, yeah i was gonna say drink for bad white dancing you know we could have we could have uh... <laughs> oh my god speaking of dick smith's blood formula so i had friends long time ago who were amateur filmmakers and and i got got involved in it and I did stuff behind the scenes and then I started getting put in front of the camera and there was a scene that I had to do and I had a mouthful of like what was Dick Smith's blood formulas like the Mm -hmm. fake blood right and it's like and it was hot and it was like on a weekend we all shot on weekends and you know we had like a 12 pack of beer and we had to go shoot the scene oh god and one of the things that Dick Smith said is do not put photo flow which is like soap into the blood formula like if you're going to put it on a shirt you put photo flow on it because it makes it spread on the shirt better but if you're going to put it in your mouth don't put the photo flow in it well so my buddy he he you know who's doing the special effects and the director and the camera work right so he puts the photo flow in there and i got it in my mouth and when i spit it out i'm like oh my god it's like taking a mouthful of like you know dishwashing liquid (laughs) give me one of those beers for god's sake you know when they when they yelled cut and it's like uh, we drank it all. And then it was a rampage, and they didn't film it because, well, it would be evidence in a, in a murder trial, right? <laughs> well, the, the, well yeah, right. Well, it's like, yeah, how could you drink all the beer? It's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like yeah, I've only seen that. I've only seen that that sequence maybe twice, I think. But it's like 
when I saw it, it's like, yep, <laughs> that was pretty odd. The, the worst part about it was immediately after. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's like, it wow. like having a mouthful of soap. And it's like, oh, my God, how could parents do that to their kids? Here, you're going to hold a bar of soap in your mouth, oh, <laughs> you know, because you, you're saying dirty words. So it's like, here, use the palm olive, you know, like the kid in a Christmas story. And oh, it's God, like, yeah. It's, it's like, oh, like, geez. Oh, fuck, We're just talking about, really? the different, talking about the different brands, you know, the different know, types of soap. I yeah. felt for them, you know. It's like I could have I could have come over to the director's house the next day, you know, in a week, you know, with dark sunglasses and a cane. And it's like, Bob, what happened? It's like it, it was the soap. I'm blind now. I'm blind. It was the photo flow. It's all your fault. Oh, God. If you hadn't drank all the beer. OK, I did not think we were going to reference a Christmas story while talking about this film. But we managed it. And uh, you know, and honestly, I'm proud of us for it. Mm-hmm. Isn't, it, it isn't it the world, amazing? The world is a better place for that reference. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it amazing? Well, and we got Hammer Dracula films and, and yeah. Hammer Frankenstein <laughs> movies. Exactly. I, I mean, until I hear this podcast after you're done producing it, it's like I, I couldn't even remember how we got how we went down that path. There's <laughs> a level. I'm sure, b- believe me, I'm sure it was just a, a brain fart that I spat out when, Hey, 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 what about this? Oh, I Look, know what it was. It was the Bohemians. Outfit. It was the Bohemians. Oh, right. Cause I got oh, us yeah, talking about right. AD 1972. <laughs> that's I love, right. I, I yes. love that you called them the Bohemians. That's, like, that's how I'm going to refer to them from now on. <laughs> there's a, there's a dividing line. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a fuzzy one between Bohemians and hippies. But when the movies made that choice, the hippie, it was hippies for, about six or seven years afterwards so yeah well you know and also since women weren't allowed to hold scalpels or be doctors right <laughs> I, I guess all the women were safe because there was no way they were going to be surgeons in in, in in john's mind so it's like well yeah, i just yeah. gonna kill dudes <laughs> they were safe except from people who believe they should be treated roughly you know right. sometimes yeah. you gotta slap yeah, around roughly that's right. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's what he was implying. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you just got to slap her once in a while. <laughs> She'll be all right once she stops <laughs> bleeding. Yeah, and the guy with that attitude, and then they drop. That's where the, they drop the poor girl off at his house. Well, we had a fight. He roughed me up, but can you take <laughs> yeah. me back there anyway? And it's like, you, you know, you you would think Susan at least would have said, you know, yeah, you know. Abusive relationships are not good for you. And let's, wouldn't it be better if we went to the, let's go to the grog house where the hippies hang out and let's just have a talk about this. <laughs> Hippie plus bohemian. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we could have had so much fun with a rewrite on this thing. We I don't could. think Juan, Juan Logar would not have appreciated us one bit. I don't believe that, so. That's okay. We were, we were improving on his, uh, his, uh, his lesser early work. Let's put it that way. Well, there you go. Well, and, and, and we know it's just, it wasn't entirely without merit. So, you true, know, we, we hit the high points and we hit the low points. But, yes, you know, it's, it's, it's like, all right, well, this is a service you guys are doing. The Nashi cast. We can watch, <laughs> we can watch bad Paul Nashi movies so you don't have to. Exactly. Bob, uh, Bob I want to thank you once yes. again for coming on and talking about this movie with us. Yeah, it's been great. It thank a- you. It was an absolute pleasure. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I could find a subtitled version of "The Vertigo of Crime," uh, you know what? I I would so be there. <laughs> hey, it's a, it's another Nashy movie bit role that takes place in France. So hey, <laughs> why not? 
Exactly. <laughs> you know, we've already done some of the legwork on France anyway. Yeah. So, and it might be around that bohemian time. Yeah. And, and it was well, made. It was made two years later or three years later. So maybe, maybe we end up with hippies. Well, I, I, even the poster that we're seeing here has a guy treating a woman roughly on it. So there's <laughs> that. that that's, so that's pretty much covered. Covered there. It's like yeah. I'm seeing another theme here. Yeah, I think women, I am too. I think we'll find women, that, that I think we'll find that attitudes attitudes didn't change much in those three years. I think I is what we're going to right. find. They probably didn't. <laughs> Bob, once again, thank you, man. Yeah. All right, guys. I enjoyed it. You all have a good evening. All bye. Right. Thanks, man. All right. Bye. Here's what some people are saying about the Projection Booth podcast. The Projection Booth is single-handedly the greatest film podcast you could ever listen to or could possibly want. Top notch. Five stars. This has quickly become one of my favorite film-related podcasts. Always interesting. A completely unpretentious yet fully comprehensive look at films from all genres. The Projection Booth Podcast, with new episodes available every week at projectionboothpodcast.com. Welcome to Free For All, an episode-by-episode podcast about one of the most endlessly fascinating television shows ever made, The Prisoner. Each week we'll be taking an in-depth look at the 17 episodes of The Prisoner. I'm Chris Bainbridge, Senior Lecturer in Broadcast and Creative Media, and I'm also a Prisoner devotee. And I'm Kai Ross, a film writer, restaurateur, and Chris's mate, which is how I got this gig. (laughs) So if you want to find us on Facebook, you can find us by searching for Podcast Free For All. And if you want to look for us on Twitter, we are Free For All Pod. And feel free if you want to comment, join the group, send messages, all that stuff. We've got a few pieces of mail here that we need to dig into because we don't want to let these things sit around the way that we have the past couple of years and yeah. just collect dust. It <laughs> yeah. seems like a bit of a waste of time. So let's see. We've got uh, two or three here. Let's see. First up from uh, Darth Perkins. That mm. would actually be Lee Perkins. Uh, he uh, specifically says that we can use his full name. He's not wanted by the authorities for anything. Oh, man. Which so, is a sure sign that Lee Perkins that, is an alias. I was about to say, I was going to say, sounds like he's been up to a lot of nefarious deeds. Probably so. He says, well, hello, guys. Just a heads up, if people didn't know, there's a Spanish Blu-ray that seems to have just been released of that Nashy classic, Mystery on Monster Island. <laughs> Uh, for those of you in the know, Nashi is has got like I don't know, fifteen seconds in that movie, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe yeah. twenty, and it's right at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, he says it's under the Spanish title "Misterio en el Isla de los Monstruos." Well done, well done. I I stumbled like a motherfucker. <laughs> says uh, and according to the cover, it is in English with English subtitles. I know this news will rock the Nashiverse, <laughs> as so many people desperately want it. Okay, maybe I'm going a little overboard, but it's got Peter Cushing in it, so it can't be all bad. Yeah, yeah, I've I still have have yet to see. I, I haven't either. I've owned a DVD yeah, of it for years. Too. And I, so you never watched it at all either, huh? No, 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 I haven't. I, I mean, it's one of those things I, with the other people that are in it. I mean, I feel like I, I know it's not supposed to be all that good, but I should. I know I need to watch it at some point. And, uh, but yeah, it's probably not one we'd do on the show unless we did it. We might even do it as a Beyond Nashy, even though it has a few seconds of Nashy, but I think he's in it. His part in it is apparently very, very minimal. 
A brief one from uh, Michael... Well, I won't use his last name, even though it might be safe to. Because he may actually be wanted. He may be wanted by the authorities. Who knows? He says, uh, Hi, guys. I unfortunately found your podcast only a few days ago, but you are doing great work. Now that the German Blu-ray box from uh, Subculture is completed, I thought that I am done for the moment. But now I'm sure I do need at least also Inquisition. It's like, yeah, you kind of, if you don't have Inquisition, I I think we can highly recommend that. And he asks, he's, he definitely is catching up. He says, are you still looking for a transcript of the Hunchback audio commentary by Paul Nash? He was like, no, no, we, yeah. we were able to get a, mm-hmm. uh, a rip mm-hmm. of that uh, from, a, from a kind, kind person mm-hmm. who may have guessed it on the podcast a couple of times recently. Anyway, yeah. uh, thank you for the question. And yes, we can both highly recommend seeing Inquisition. As a matter of fact, if you've, uh, uh, you, 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 are, uh, you are centered in Germany, if memory serves here, uh, and your email account does seem to tell me that. But I do believe that the Mondo Macabro Blu-ray of Inquisition is all, it, it's all region. So mm-hmm. I think you would be okay picking that up. I want to check on that. But, and you uh, might want to give that audio commentary on it to listen to when you do pick it up. <laughs> there's, there's two guys that you, yeah. whose voices you might recognize. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Third and lasting, but this is a big one. Mm-hmm. This is from James. James, uh, we read uh, uh, some of the mail from James uh, on our last show, our last male devoted show, and so uh, he is—I mean, male as an M A I L, not M A L E. Females are always in, always invited to <laughs> always invited in to show. attend. Yes, but he—he's uh, answered our answer to his uh, first uh, message. So he says, James says, <clears throat> he says, I have a few more films and, and Nashy casts under my belt. I have a few random points. I think you guys were a bit harsh on the Beast and the Magic Sword, but a bit too forgiving on Assignment Terror. The former is more cohesive as a film, and I can enjoy it on many levels. The setting, the seamlessness of combining genres, werewolves and samurais, and actual dialogue by Daninsky. The latter is just a mess. He's talking about Assignment Terror. The latter is just a mess with plot points that go nowhere, bad editing that cuts off dialogue in mid-sentence, and mute monsters. It feels like a jumble of scenes thrown together by an editor who didn't have a script to follow. And I will just say, I agree with you. Yes. I mean, it's, yeah, script-wise, it does not hold up too well. And as far as Beast in the Magic Sword goes, uh, you know, we haven't gotten to do an audio commentary on it now, which caused us to re, you know, not only revisit it, but to also reevaluate, reevaluate, you know, from a, and uh, I think it did kind of grow. I didn't think definitely grew in our estimation each time we've seen it there, you know, it's, it's there yeah, still. Yeah. I have to say my, when we recorded the podcast on that mm-hmm. years ago, I, I do remember feeling that, man, why am I not having the reaction that mm-hmm. I should be having mm-hmm. to this film? Mm-hmm. And then as you, as a few more, few more years went by and then I was like okay well we're going to do a commentary for this I need to I need to revisit the film mm-hmm. and it was having a really nice looking copy of it mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. F- as we were doing the commentary track that made me kind of go you know I really what whatever was mm-hmm. missing in my mm-hmm. head that made mm-hmm. me connect with made me not connect with it it finally happened mm-hmm. and so yeah 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 in the in our in our initial podcast yeah yeah, yeah I, I was I, mm-hmm. uh, Troy Troy was much more positive about the film than I was but all, all I could see were the flaws instead mm. of the instead of the extreme successes that the film contains and so yeah so James go out and buy that Blu-ray and listen to our audio commentary and I, <laughs> I was think about to say yes uh, Mondo Macabro needs uh-huh. to he needs to be sending you a Blu-ray mm. go to their site buy Beast of the Magic Sword on yeah. Blu-ray and while we may still have a few nits to pick I think you will find that our estimation of the film did definitely improve so uh, he says a specific point on Magic Sword the tiger fight scene made me think of Sonny Chiba's Karate Bear Fighter from 1975, where Sonny fights a guy wearing an unconvincing bear costume with a real bear in long shots. 
Makes me wonder if that sequence influenced the inclusion of the tiger scene. Shigeru Amachi, did, oh, excuse me, the tiger scene. Shigeru Amachi did not appear in Karate Bear Fighter, but he did co-star in several films with Sonny Chiba. As he was a co-producer, Amachi may have brought it up to Nashi and thought they could top that fight scene, which, according to the way he's describing the Chiba one, it sounds like they did, because I think we came away pretty impressed with, you know, the way, yeah. for what they were able to do, as much, probably about as good a job as, as anyone could do using the effects, you know, that they were able to do, you know, to find someone, anyone fight a tiger is always going to be tough to pull off, especially the time the film was made, but I think we felt that that scene, that fight scene was pretty well done. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, he says, uh, on a personal note, I'm pretty sure you guys are Dungeons & Dragons fans, so you'd probably get a kick out of this story. I've been teaching my girlfriend's kids to play the game, and in one scenario, they were sent to the land of Berzano to gain the alliance of Valdemar Nashi. I like it. Valdemar Nashi. That's awesome. He says they couldn't remember or pronounce Daninsky. He says uh, to fight the undead. As they camped out one evening, strange undead knights suddenly rose from the ground. The cleric cast a silent spell so they could escape unnoticed by the blind dead knights. Later, they encountered the vampire Countess Vondessa, who told them that Nashi was a werewolf. The party had to choose the lesser of two evils to be continued. Oh, that's great, man! That's you know, <laughs> nice, I, nice. I, I definitely went through a you know some role playing years there, and even though I haven't in years, had I had I still been doing it by the time I I, I discovered Nashi, you know, I probably would have found a way to you know to to shoehorn Nashi uh, or Nashi the Nashi verse into. Uh, D&D, you know, it'd actually be wonderful if somebody did a, a role-playing game based on the Nashi verse. would be awesome. Or at least oh, Spanish wow. or just Spanish horror in general, you know. Would, that would, would be, be yeah, because you, because you could fold in the blind uh, dead. And the Norlai and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And that would be a lot of fun. And much like you, I haven't played Dungeons & Dragons in mm-hmm. years and years and years, but... Yeah, my younger days, boy, mm-hmm. I dungeon I dungeon mastered quite a few things. I had, <laughs> I had, I had a blast doing it too. Mm-hmm. So it's I, I I'm always thrilled to know that, that that is a game that continues to to kind of fire the imaginations of mm-hmm. younger generations. That's that's great to hear. Mm-hmm. And send many people insane running off into the sewers thinking that they're still in the game, right? As as, as happened <laughs> oh. so many times. <laughs> yes, as happened so many fictional times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So James continues, sorry for the long-winded email, but lastly I heard Troy mention on Bloody Pit that Albert Finney Scrooge is his favorite Christmas film. I happen to have an original theatrical poster of it given to me by a friend who moved away. I'll just give it to you guys as thanks for the hours of nationness you've given me. And yes, and that was incredibly generous of you, James. That is my favorite film, and the poster you sent is, is blew my mind. You know, the original Scrooge poster, that's fantastic. So thank you so much for that. Very nice, and uh, thank you very much for giving us... The screwed poster. <laughs> I'm gonna. When let do you... I get to take possession? Yes. Of it? Well, well, yes. Well, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you pay for the framing. How does that? Will that make you feel part of it if I um, let you pay for the the framing of it? Yeah, yeah. As long, if I get the, if I get it for the first decade. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I tell you what. Whichever one of us manages to set up his uh, uh, home theater room first, uh, will you know with with the theater chairs and you know a lobby and and uh, a snack machine and all that. Whoever gets that set up first gets to own the poster. And then finished, James says, By the way, finally saw El Comandante. Blew me away. Seeing Nashi's introduction on the Blu-ray where he says, A book should be written about this film and studied. Might sound like bluster, but to me, sounds like the self-confidence that drove him to make his visions come to life on film. And I never would have picked this up if it wasn't for your podcast. Thanks for that. Cheers, guys. Oh, well. Thank that, you, James. You're, you're welcome. And yes, El Comandante or The Traveler or... What, what what title did they release it on? Devil Incarnate. Devil Incarnate on Mondo Macabre. Man, we're just name checking. Yeah, I know Mondo we are, really are. Man. This time it's around, like... yeah, yeah. It's it's an, an amazing film, and 
quite possibly his yeah. greatest film. Yeah, he's experiencing what we did the first time we watched. It. We were like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, because <laughs> that's awesome. that's one. I, I forget exactly what episode we, we were. Mm-hmm. We were only a li- little ways. We were that far little, about less than two years into it when mm-hmm. we finally were like, "Okay, we've got a mm-hmm. we've got a subtitled version of, of mm-hmm. this film. It's mm-hmm. a film we've heard a lot about. We've definitely read about it from mm-hmm. his point of view and how much he, you know, how much work he put into it." But we were not prepared for how amazing that yeah. film turned out to be. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that is amazing and wonderful, and we want to thank everyone who's written us. Yeah, if you it. would like to do the same, you can send it to send emails or voicemails or anything that you would like to include in the show. Any posters you'd like to give me? <laughs> Troy has his <laughs> time for me. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, your favorite film is Robin Hood, right? So maybe no, no, no. My, my favorite, my favorite film is uh, Captain Blood, which oh, is oh god, Earl's yes. Film. I was, I was thinking Swashbuckling, but I was in the wrong. But nobody's, yeah, nobody, so. nobody's ever gonna be yeah. gonna, gonna stumble across a Captain Blood or even an Adventures oh, of Robin yeah. Hood. Yeah, don't, est- don't estimate our, don't underestimate our listeners. They just, they just might be in a someone might be in a generous spirit and might only ask maybe a couple thousand for it. To <laughs> yeah, really, no yeah. kidding. <laughs> but uh, if you want to include your thoughts or at least let us know what they are, the email address is nashicast at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you let us know and once again you can you can type them out or you can record them and send them to us as a voicemail it is all good as far as we're concerned well like i say we're trying our best to keep up with the emails this year so that we don't let them uh, pile up in the dusty corner and get forgotten which mm. can all we, we, we can blame each of each of us can blame the other i think yeah. it's, it's happened to both of us and, and we really don't we really don't want to get to the point where we have to hire people to answer our mail pretending to be us that's just crass and we just refuse to, to yeah and, and by the way there's we have no money for that <laughs> Yeah, and that reminds me, if you'd like to donate oh, yeah. to help us defray, to help defray the cost of actually maintaining these podcasts on their servers, uh, there is a donate button on my podcast. Oh, I'm sorry, on my blog page, the Bloody Pit of Roger. You can go there. the The donate button is on the right side of the page. Uh, click that and send us all your money, <laughs> uh, or any of your money, any mm-hmm. at all. Uh, mm-hmm. A few nice people have done that recently, and I would like to once again thank them very much. It's always a surprise and a shock when somebody stumbles across that button mm. and sends us a little cash to help defray the costs of the hosting for mm. the podcasts. Once again, don't feel you're obligated to do so, but if you do think that it's worth, I don't know, throwing a couple of bucks mm. our way to, to help us out, that would be fantastic, and uh, we will be eternally grateful. With that, I guess we will say bye-bye, have a good night, and we will talk to you again soon. I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. Bye now. <laughs>